Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode Switching Years as it's sort of a bridge between the year that was of the Switch in 2017 and whatever's in store for us coming up in 2018. So later in the show, we'll be sharing our Game of the Year picks. We'll be sharing thoughts on Nintendo's 2017 as a whole, which was quite the year. And we also have impressions of a few last-minute 2017 releases that maybe we're checking out, including uh, Crawl, the final ARMS version update, and Mutant Muds Collection. Before all that, however, uh, we're going to take a look at what's ahead, what's on the horizon for early 2018, including a surprisingly packed February for Switch and uh, the news around that. And then just to make sure that we as a podcast end on a high note and end with a bang for 2017, we are also going to be giving away... It's a bit of a surprise. We don't plan to do this, but at the uh, end of the show, stay tuned for info on how you can win a Super Nintendo uh, Classic Edition. We'll be giving one away, and we'll have full details at the tail end of the show. You can also, if you're curious about any specific thing I just said that will be in the show, there are, as always, timestampsforamtel.com where you can click around and uh, on the blog post and go specifically to what you want to hear. So, without further ado, uh, I guess we should now look ahead so we can then look back so we can then give one of you a Super Nintendo Classic. And to kick things off, um, it's nice that we finally know what's going on in 2018 a little. Also, like, I feel like, I, I don't know, I got so used to the Switch lineup being mapped out essentially month for month for the past eight months that there's this big black void of, like, 2018 has felt kind of weird, even by Nintendo standards. It was just, like, the Switch, like, its life just ends at December 2017, sort of. And, I mean, if you, it's just like if you compare what we know right now going into 2018 with what we knew going into 2017 it's so different like 2017 at this point in december we knew wait it is 2017 2016 into 17 at this point in december we knew you know there's this crazy hybrid gaming machine coming out we're gonna be getting zelda mario mario kart splatoon that wacky arms looking thing all those are coming at some point on this new hybrid wait, thing that'll be out january? by march wasn't it no, oh it wasn't january. no 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 but wait you're right arms was everything else was in the uh, teaser sizzle reel from october well, You're yeah, right, arms but even then, we didn't even know what it was. It was like, oh, there's a Mario game coming out. I guess. Yeah, we but saw. We yeah, but we knew there was some sort of Mario, some sort of Mario Kart, some sort of Splatoon, and some actually and Zelda. Remember, yeah. And we knew all and that was Skyrim. coming. To, yeah, and we knew all that was coming to a weird little portable thing. By the end of March, that portable thing would be out there. This we year, no, it was March at that point. We, no, they they said that fiscal year that was confirmed. This year, so. no, they they did. I guarantee it. All right. <laughs> this year, uh, not to be so like, no, I'm positive, but I'm positive. Um, cause they had to, they kept telling investors, Hey, our holidays kind of whatever, but trust us, we'll have the switch out by March. Oh. Um, by end of fiscal year. This year, here's what we know going into 2018 as of a couple weeks ago. Yoshi and Kirby. That's neat. That, that's literally it. That's all we knew. Luckily, uh, it seems like Nintendo's finally starting to open up a bit. Like at the game awards, as we talked about last episode, Bayonetta for Switch was confirmed. Uh, and now it's kind of a bit more in focus first party and third party wise since then. At least the first few months. Like, we don't know anything about summer beyond. We don't know when like Metroid Prime 4 or Pokemon is going to happen, but we're getting a sense of what's coming in the first few months, which I assume will be backed up by the rumored but essentially confirmed Nintendo Direct next month. So January itself is a bit quiet, actually, in terms of releases, although I, that shouldn't be surprising. It's kind of the post-holiday hangover the industry always seems to have, but uh, that Boss Rush indie game we talked about last episode, Fury, coming out January 11th, and some other indies are being promised for early 2018 as well, including... One that um, doesn't really fit our whole breakdown of early 2018 because they're not giving a date. But Mini Metro, 
such a cool game that I feel it's okay for us to already go off course three minutes into the episode. But, like, have you ever played Mini Metro? Do you know anything about Mini Metro? Um, I have it on my iPhone. I love it. It just reminds me of your a t-shirt you have, mm-hmm. which is a, a map of Manhattan, you said? Yeah, Manha- uh, New York subway system. There you go. Which, coincidentally, this game is basically about... Um, so, if, I guess since you haven't played it, or for those who haven't played it, it's kind of this awesome little like resource management strategy sim of sorts where you are in charge of keeping an entire subway system running. Uh, it's all presented with this like minimalistic graphic style that kind of resembles like 1960s New York City subway maps, which I realize is a reference and not people, not a lot of people are going to get, but for those who do, there you go. The, the aesthetic alone though is really great and pretty much the pinnacle of like minimalist design. Like it's, it's funny, subway maps actually are at the forefront of minimalistic design trends because, you know, it's a lot of very confusing, dense information has to be presented very clearly and concisely. So, subway. If you want to know what's next in minimal design, look at a subway map. It usually isn't in the care. But gameplay wise, the game actually is really cool. Like you, you keep building out a subway system. It adds new layers, new stops, more people, and you have to accommodate that with new trains and everything. And it's just like this kind of continually growing map that you build, and you can do it in multiple cities and whatnot. So it's coming to Switch. Sometime early next year, the development on the Switch version is being handled by a company called Ra- uh, Radial Games on behalf of the original creators, who I didn't know this was their name, or I forgot, I guess, because I haven't played Mini Metro on my phone in a while, but it's uh, the original creator is called Dinosaur Polo Club. So I that's, like that name. That's a great name, yeah. So assuming the price is right, I'm probably going to double dip on this thing. It's great that's kind of Switch. I'm kind of curious what it will look like on a TV or how you'll play it without touch, but nonetheless, it's, it's cool it's there. Uh, admittedly, yeah, it looks like a game I would expect to see just playing on loop on the like the art gallery or like the the indie art gallery, mm-hmm. the toy art gallery. There you go. Yeah, or like back when uh, Nintendo had the art style games. Remember that on DSiWare? Yeah. This kind of fits that mold. But I'll admit, Main Metro is perhaps more niche and kind of a weird game to lead the show with. But uh, it may not even come in January, so it doesn't even fit any of what we're talking about today. But <laughs> I just had to throw it in because I love it. Uh, the biggest actual confirmed release for the month of January is probably Rocket League, which I know is already on Switch. But this, guys, this is the collector's edition we're talking about. This is one that comes with the full game, three full DLC packs, four DLC cards, and through a partnership, I guess WB is uh, WB Games is the one handling the distribution of games, so because of that, it will also come with the Flash car customization items. All that, plus the Mario and Samus exclusive uh, Nintendo cars, for $40. So for 20 more bucks? For 25 more bucks if you were oh. to buy Rocket League between now and the... If for anyone listening um, before December 28th, it's only $15 on the eShop right now, Rocket League. So yes, for 25 more dollars, you get three sets of DLC packs, four sets of... four cars... Some flash stuff and that in a cartridge. I mean, normally that's all well and good, but the DLC is very. I mean, it's it's not hit or miss because it's bad. I mean, it's yes. it's, it's all fine. It's just a matter of taste. Like, I mean, I don't care about Fast and the Furious, so I don't want to buy that DLC. Luckily, pack. that's not one of the DLCs. In really, fact, but no, it's not there. It's all like original content. Oh, so it's not including the DLC that's already out? I don't think it's the Fast and Furious DLC. It might be other DLC, but well, it's not the licensed stuff is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, so it's not the licensed stuff. Including the Batmobile, I guess? I don't think that's there. Huh. I can pull up the list if you're curious, like, if I can I'm find it. I'm kind of curious just because... Hang on. Uh, I'm on it. I should have put this in my notes. You'd think the one thing I put in the notes is the thing we're talking about, but huh, why would I do that? All right, Rocket League. But yeah, the, the thing is, so the developers, while well, I search this, the developers actually are being very upfront about being $40. Uh, Cyanx is like, hey, we know that's a lot. We know that's $10 more than PS4 uh, and Xbox One, but it's the cartridges. Blame the cartridges. So 
you know, take that as you will. That they're they're sort of throwing Nintendo under the, the bus. The same song them. and dance that we've heard. That's why people always like to throw those physical goodies in there. Yeah, which they're doing. It will come with an art print of concept art by the concept artist of Rocket League. So you'll get a car art print thing. But okay, here you go. So it's the. Chaos Run DLC pack, the Revenge of the Battle Cars DLC pack, the Supersonic Fury DLC pack, and then the Aftershock car, the Marauder car, the Esper car, and then. Wait, so what are the first few DLCs? Like, just. I assume they're all. Considering they have no license names in them, they're probably just all original content by the team at Psionics. Because I imagine it can't be. I mean, stages, I guess, have to be available to everyone since they're just playing online. Well, here, I will specifically Google what's in the Revenge of the Battle Cars pack. Huh. Uh, even more three curious. new paint types, two new wheels, two new rocket boosts, four new toppers, two new antennas. Oh, so it's a hundred percent new vehicle, two classic thing. vehicles, six unique decals for each uh, new battle car, twelve total. So it's a hundred percent aesthetics. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're getting a bunch of aesthetics for forty dollars. But here's the thing. Interesting. Here's the thing about like I I, I gotta give Psyonix credit for at least being upfront. Like we know it's more expensive. That's better than like take two, just pretending it's you know doing the whole like sixteen gig cartridge, but the game's eighty five gigs or whatever, and making you download the rest. But I said before, and I'll say it again. I think Nintendo needs to just swallow the cost of cartridge pricing compared to the price of a disc, because like it really, I don't know, it's really in their best interest to do this. Like it's not gonna, they're making gangbusters on Switch. It's not gonna hurt them, but it does hurt to have a take two game, WWE or LA Noir or WB. WB, wow, NBA, uh, 2K18, having those things with the big banner up top is like, you need an SD card. Yeah, those it are looks really, really unappealing. Like, yeah. I, like, I want to get, um, Resident Evil, like, a physical copy of it just because it's a, it's a mainly single player game, Resident Evil Revelations 1, specifically. Right. But, I mean, on top of, like, a personal gripe with it, with the cover being, um, Resident Evil Revelations Collection, even though it only comes with a cartridge for, Part for one, one and the other one's a download code at that point just include a sticker like Bayonetta that just says download code for blah 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 included yeah so that's like a person that I don't want I want to like just print out like a well I, I get thing. that because it's weird but, on your shelf it's yeah. not what it is but it has <laughs> that white banner on top that just makes it like oh they actually put down the Resident Evil box I haven't I, seen I, that I remember being on the Resident Evil box but it's a, oh, I know yeah. for a fact it's on the I mean it's on the freaking um yeah Alien War that yeah it makes me kind of I mean I was interested in that game but the cover I don't know well here here's the thing so I knew that's the game I would get physically was you, would, and, you, yeah. would you consider it digital because it's on sale on the eShop right now for only 30 no oh well okay Unless, sorry Rockstar you lost one sale yeah like I mean <laughs> if, if it if it had if it was only available digitally then yeah I'll get it but yeah it's a primarily single player game I don't want to have that wasted space after I beat it yeah it's I get that. Like, I want to eventually... It's easier to just revisit a game just to, like, grab it from your shelf and play it again after a few years than to be like, oh, I have to re-download it. And then that'll make me, like, probably not want to play it again for another yeah. few years. Now, I'm one, I'm not one to uh, criticize how people go about buying their games and whatnot because I'm very guilty of buying only physical and being a weirdo. But couldn't you always just re-download it later, like, delete it and re-download the single-player game? I guess once the servers turn off, what you do, but... Well, that's what I just said, that... I didn't catch it, that it's, part, that, yeah. that it's, um... It's less of a hassle to just grab the game from my shop oh, yeah, and put it yeah, in than to yeah. re-download it. On top of the fact that by the time I feel like re-downloading it, maybe by that time my space is already full because I'll have a lot more right, games. Right, that's true. I mean, I'm already at 40 apps on my Switch. 38 are games, I think two are demos. Right. And I'm pretty sure by the time like, I get another... That you want to revisit LA yeah, there's already like three four, years. Yeah, there's like another three 
indie games that I want to get that are yeah. still like on the ropes, like Bold Boy and Celeste and whenever Pocket Rumble comes out. So, yeah, my wish list is getting large on um. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of games that I already forgot the name for just because I just kept like put adding things to the wish list just because like oh dude, this looks cool. This looks yeah, cool. that that's kind of funny things. I'm like oh January's kind of slow, but February's picking up for Switch. It's like there's also like 85 games worth checking out already on Switch that probably a lot of people haven't played. So yeah, it's like, not there's a, a drought in the traditional yeah, sense. Like this is the police looks interesting. Yeah, um, and then, I still need to get Golf Story. I still yeah, I haven't gotten Golf Story, but. That's a game I'll leave for when I'm done. When I don't have a current first person player. Yeah, I mean first person. First single, single player, player single player game to play. I almost said single person player, which is even <laughs> more thing. weird. But but um but you know, the the reason I was mainly saying for the like cartridge swallowing the cartridge cost is like there is an upside. Even though we're like, Oh, it's annoying, there is an upside even with the banners to having Rocket League and which doesn't have the banner, but you know, Rocket League and WWE and L.A. Noir and all that, having that on a shelf, even at a higher price, like it's kind of those like put your best foot forward sort of deal for like a casual gamer that's browsing the shelves. Because Rocket League, as of a few days ago, has 38 million players. It is a huge property to have on your console. It is a big deal to have on your console. So even if it is $10 more on Switch, to have someone browsing a shelf at Best Buy and going, what's the Switch have? And they're like, oh, cool, they have Rocket League. Oh, cool, they have LNUR. I don't know who says that. Uh, oh, cool, they have NBA 2K. Like, you know, having all that, even with those stupid banners, it is still beneficial from a marketing perspective for Nintendo to have those there. So to help us, the fans, better be able to play these games when we want and to help you sell your systems, Nintendo, just eat the car- cost of the cartridge. It's really not that bad. Yeah. Or eat, let me rephrase. Eat the difference in the price from disc to car- cartridge because that's you that decide to do that, not... Yeah, that you makes know. sense. I mean, it's just more marketing. Yeah. I mean, you, you haven't bought Rocket League yet, right? I did. Oh, you did? I haven't played it for on... a while. Okay. But, I stopped download it. But just as I suspected, like, it's... I mean, it's a fun game, but I I don't know. Like, it's just me, but I get bored after maybe... I, I can't play more than 30 minutes. Then I have to, like, switch out. I mean, that's out. reasonable. Well, I don't know. Usually, some people play for hours. I know. I know, but yeah. Well, I mean, I do that with other games, but like Rocket League, like it, I have, it yeah, can click in the same way. Yeah. Unless I'm playing with like some, like at least online, if I were playing with people, like friends and like locally, that could yeah. probably be way different. But yeah, because of that, like I want to be able to just like oh, home button, close application, open right, the right, game right. So you encode physical. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my thing with Rocket League. I stopped to buy it. I haven't gotten it any in any form yet. And like on the one hand, I do love my physical games, as ever as you know, as people that listen probably know. But for like a third of the price, because right now it's only fifteen bucks, and playing it like three weeks before the physical edition, I don't really care about the DLC because as we just established, it's nothing. Yeah. And I mean, art prints are cool, but I don't care about the yeah, art print. It's not, yeah, unless it's I don't know. It has to be really specific art for me to really care. Samus about Car, it. I would cave if it's art of the Samus Car. I wouldn't cave, but I consider caving. But but it's weird because like my weird desire of having physical game in like a collection I think has a limit and I think that limit is apparently a $25 price saving because that's what I, you know if I buy if I buy it right now in the eShop till the 28th it's only 15 bucks. that's so much cheaper so right now. I don't have my Switch on me or else I would you could do it from your phone yeah let's just stop the podcast eShop here we go. Yeah, I, know, I, know, I know I know I know I, I probably will soon I need to definitely do it for the 28th which is only a few days away so yeah. but yeah that, that's really it for Switch in uh, January like it's certainly a quieter month in the past few as I was saying um 3DS does pick up the slack a little with two noteworthy releases. Um, we already know that Kirby Battle Royale is coming out January 19th for everyone that still plays 3DS and wants to have like a Kirby Power Stone situation going on. Uh, but it was also just announced this past week 
that joining Kirby a week later on the 26th will be the virtual console release of Pokemon Crystal, which, like Gold and Silver on 3DS, will now support uh, wireless multiplayer. It'll offer the time capsule feature, as they call it, so you can import virtual console red, blue, and yellow Pokemon. But this feels like this feels like a footnote. This feels like something you can gloss over, really. But in terms of, like, quote-unquote significant 3DS, re- 3DS releases... To me, this actually kind of feels like a significant one, even though it doesn't matter to like us or like probably a lot of listeners in that it's really the same reason actually that Rocket League matters as a physical release. It's smart. I don't know like if you've noticed in the last couple months, Angel, but in these past few months, Nintendo really started finally emulating what they do in Japan where they have physical game download cards in stores all over the country. Cards and myths. Yeah, they're really blatant. Like if you go into a Best Buy in particular, like the first thing you see in the game section is now this like nice curved shelf that's just full of game downloads. Yeah, if anything, I'm like really for that because it's great. I like getting the reward points at Best Buy. So being yeah. able to just buy the digital one at Best Buy and get my points, it's definitely way better than buying it. It's Yeah, I, yeah. I feel the same way. And it's, before it's I would have to buy the point card and then turn the points into, then redeem the points on a shop, which I mean, isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. But I mean, this kind of cuts out the this middleman. This sort of cuts out the middleman. Gives and you I don't get, and, I, and I'm not stuck with those annoying one cents after every single transaction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I have like, I think I bought, yeah, the last thing I bought was Brawlout and Crawl. So I have like two cents and then I bought another game the other day. I forgot which one it was. So yeah, I just have three cents on the eShop. Before you eat more and you have a wrapper. Sorry, yeah. I should just... You know what? Let's just cancel the podcast. That was bad. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's like Nintendo's way of going, see, if you buy like a thousand more games, you have another 10 bucks. Surprise. Yeah, it's like, hey guys, you won a game without really winning it. You didn't win it at all. <laughs> but but no, the, it, not only is it convenient for us as gamers, but putting it on the shelf, it it has prominent placement. Like Gold and Silver, I don't know if you noticed, but so all the games on those shelves are like major releases Splatoon, Zelda DLC Fire Emblem da 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 and then just randomly it's like Pokemon Gold and Silver for the 3DS and I assume Crystal will follow the same path because it's such a good product placement when someone walks into a store and there's just this little shelf that says like hey remember remember this thing from your Game Boy Color would you love to play it again on 3DS here you go so I will say that the it's smart as a the the virtual console games definitely stand out for me like whenever I'm at Best Buy and looking at the store yeah like the old Zelda one they have yeah like I notice those and I'm like oh that's cool it's on the Switch I'm like oh wait of course not yeah so it's like oh yeah but the fact that you're noticing like I kind of wouldn't mind like just having those cards like just yeah, they look nice. Yeah. They're good. The, the, I really like the, the the Zelda one, basically being the game box with the cartridge yeah. and all. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's a cool little value proposition to people that don't keep up with Nintendo's digital marketing or digital stuff. So for Nintendo, something like Pokemon Crystal is really an easy way to pad out yeah. the 3DS lineup. It's really the thing smart. that it's basically just the the retail games and I guess the really high profile yeah. games. Like I mean, you're never gonna see Muted Mud's collection on there or yeah. I was going to say um, the end of the night, but that has a physical release. But So you will see that next door on the real shelf. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but you won't see stuff like... Um, no, even Mutant Muds. Isn't that getting physical? No, it's not getting physical. Mm, it, I don't think it ever got not, yeah, one. It no. got one for Vita and yeah, PS4 right. with limited run games. Those people. Right, right. Who now support Switch, so you never yeah, know. There's another company that does Switch now. Uh, there's limited run and there's like special... Oh, what's it called? It's a very similar name. Yeah. It does the same thing. Same there's, idea. There's actually three. We mentioned two last episode. It turns out there's actually three different um, like limited run companies that are going to do uh, short-term releases now. Yeah, so kind like cool. a gold mine there that we're not seeing? I guess so. Yeah. I think I think just as the I mean, internet and commission game, that much? I get, well, you know, they can print like 2,000 copies and probably sell all 2,000 yeah. and that's it. But... It's tricky because, again, the cartridge situation, but I guess Nintendo sells them in small enough bulk, uh, bun- 
bundles. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So like, like I said, I say Crystal Pokemon Crystal. I think is very smart on slower months as we have pad things out for more casual consumers and to really hone in on that like slower month point point. That is literally all there is for January, what we just talked about. That is it. Nothing else. February, however, is shaping up to be a lot busier. Whether intentional or not, we seem to be in this weird cycle where there are these bursts of third-party releases on Switch every couple months. Like, we first saw it in September, then it happened again in November, which I'm pretty sure was intentional, because Nintendo kind of cleared a path for it. And now we have it in February, with a bunch of games that are now going to be joining Bayonetta 1 and 2, which, as we know, are coming to Switch on, I believe, the 18th. So, Nintendo itself... Confirm that we're getting the Switch version of Dragon Quest Builders on the 9th of February, which is a week before Bayonetta. And this is a game that previously Square, uh, Square Enix already put out on Vita and PS4. What's interesting here is now it doesn't come with exclusive new crafting materials and options that you, to do and creatures to ride on and whatever. But Nintendo's publishing this one. Again, it's already been released on PS4. It's now being published by Nintendo on Switch, so... They really wanted it. They really wanted it. Nintendo seems to do that a lot where they just um, publish Dragon Quest randomly. And only Dragon Quest. Like, I'm pretty sure... You they know, publish Warriors? Um, oh, they did. Yeah, but that's different because they had Fire Emblem characters. This is just straight up Dragon Quest. Fire oh, you mean Emblem? Dragon... Sorry, you mean Dragon Quest Warriors. Oh, like, what? <laughs> Fire Emblem Warriors. I just drifted yeah. to that. Um, I mean, <laughs> understandably, but yeah. Yeah, Dragon Quest Warriors... I don't know if they did they published the dragon quest like six Actually, yeah, seven it's five not even eight. in the u.s right it's just in japan right now i uh, yeah i think that's right they did publish uh okay, I'm like i could have thrown i played a demo or something we played the it. japanese version yeah. yeah warriors one and two yeah um but no they did publish the dragon quest on 3ds they it's weird it seems like it's only dragon quest like square enix is the one publishing octopath from my understanding but nintendo's publishing dragon quest but whatever mm-hmm. we're, we're getting that in february now um and we're also probably Seeing Runner 3 in February. It was previously announced as a February release. Um, this is Choice Provisions, you know, rith- uh, Rhythmic Endless Runner for those who don't know what I'm talking about. But in a new twist, it's now getting a physical release. Runner 3, courtesy of Nicholas. Interesting. Interesting twist on that twist is Nicholas is only promising early 2018 and not a specific month. But previously, Choice Provisions said by February. In fact, that's what they told me firsthand at E3. So I don't know if something shifted or if. Nicholas is going to stagger the physical after the digital or what, but we're getting a physical of that as well in Feb- uh, February or later, I guess. But beyond that, we're also getting other long-promised games. Uh, Payday 2, Bank Heist Shooter Payday 2, is now coming to Switch on February 27th, which is actually kind of funny to me because in the time that Payday 2 went from being announced to released or to getting a release date, Doom was both revealed and released. Uh, and then indie shooters like Morphe were announced, delayed, and released on the time that Payday's been just kind of like sitting there. And that's not a knock against the developers at Overkill or anything. It's just kind of a funny observation of how fast the Switch lineup is now moving. Like Payday was in its own little like bubble of like, oh, I'm the shooter on Switch, the only one. And then just all these other games like, oh, sweet, Switch is selling, just like swooped in and took that title. Yeah, when we have, when there was that period when we didn't hear anything about it, I just figured it got canceled, and I'm like, well, that's fine. I mean, it's a cool. Con- it's cool because yeah. it is different from the others. Like, it's even different from Wolfenstein Two, which oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, is it's coming. Primarily a co-op. Yeah, it's a co-op yeah. four-player bank heist game, which is a really clever premise. And also, when it first came out, a lot of people had problems with it because it did a lot of free-to-play stuff. Um, the original publisher of the game, I think it might have been Deep Silver, no longer is publishing the game or has anything to do with it. It got shifted over to Starbreeze Studios, who pulled all the free-to-play weird shenanigans so or microtransactions i should say so it's now like a real fully inclusive game in and of itself you don't have to worry about too many microtransactions so that's nice 
Um, but yeah, we also have, as Snyder said, we also have Wolfenstein, which was just confirmed. It's being developed by Panic Button, same guys that did Doom and Rocket League. So it's in good hands when it comes to Switch, whenever that is. But um, Rocket League being their actual own original no, game? neither of them are their own. Rocket League's by Psyonix, Doom is obviously id. Panic Button just comes in and goes, hey, we know what we're doing with Switch. And For a second, I'm do. all like, wait, wasn't Panic Button somehow related to Sonic Boom? But that was on Big Red Button. Yeah, that's Big Red. There's a lot of buttons in the gaming world, a lot of buttons to be pressed. Uh, yeah, Panic Button has their own game. I'm forgetting what it is. I think it's on Switch. I want to say we have it. I think you specifically called it out when you gave impressions of it. I was like, this is by the guys that did Doom, but and it's their own original game. That's hmm. how you talk if you didn't know. This, da, 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 da. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I don't recall what it is. I can't find it. I just started Googling. Oh, games. They have a list of games on their website. Yeah. It's like the least researched episode ever, apparently. Oh, you know what it was? <laughs> it was Astro Duel Deluxe. Oh. I didn't even get to it yet on the list, and I just remembered. Astro Duel, yeah. Oh, here it is on the list. Yeah, Astro Duel Deluxe. There I believe that is a great game. Yep. So they also did Octodad, the Wii U version. Oh, so they've had experience in Nintendo for a while. Anyway. Porting stuff, yeah. Yeah, porting stuff, I mean. But, and optimizing. But anyway, the real, I guess the only big surprise coming in November, or, wow, November, coming in February, is by way of Namco Bandai, who made kind of the unusual move of announcing new Switch games right before Christmas. Like, them and Capcom both did it. I don't know why. Like, hey guys, getting some hard-earned money from your parents, why don't you sit on that for six months instead of buying one of our other games? Because you're going to want this, and this is, well, actually two things. One, this one's way down the pipeline, but just a heads up, uh, My Hero Academia, the anime, getting a game for Switch don't know much about it yet but it's coming but the other one is coming in february and that is a new version of 2016's pac-man championship edition 2 which on switch gets the additional title of plus at the end of its name so that's exciting no actually it does look kind of cool like at its core it's really the same championship edition you may have played elsewhere so you know it's take patch pac-man drench in like crazy neon Make the music a little too crazy. Ramp up the gameplay frenzy to match the crazy like the music and the neon. Same idea as um, Space Invaders remastered or yeah. Redux or whatever. I think called. Space Invaders Redux borrowed it from the original Pac-Man Championship Edition when they saw mm. it did well. Did well. Yeah, did it's well. like a way of just like modernizing yeah. Pac-Man while still keeping it. Yeah, and and it's old. fun. Like I've I've played it on phone. It's on a phone. It's pretty fun. But what earns the Switch the plus in the title is the addition of a new two-player co-op mode in which each player takes one Joy-Con and together. As separate Pac-Men, I, I assume that's the plural Pac-Man, Pac-Men, not Pac-Mans, Pac-Men, right. probably. But anyway, the two Pac-Men together, they will work through a series of separate boards that I assume are designed specifically for this mode. I don't know if Namco Bandai has actually said, but it'd be so if they weren't. But you got a whole new like co-op mode is the takeaway here. And as simple as it may sound, I'm actually kind of weirdly into this idea of like co-op Pac-Man. I mean, what Switch, what Switch seems to really do best is create these cool little multiplayer experiences and turning Pac-Man into a co-op game certainly fits that bill really well. I mean, they've done it before as competitive with Pac-Man Versus, which was shockingly good for what it was. I think I told the story before, but literally, um, back in the GameCube days, I bought iNinja, which was a fun in its own right, like, action platformer. Kind of like Namco's version of, like, Prince of Persia, but chibi. But I bought it specifically so I could get the free Pac-Man Versus disc with it. So I'm I'm a big proponent of the Pac-Man multiplayer, and it's cool that not only do we now have competitive Pac-Man thanks to Namco Museum, but we also have cooperative Pac-Man when Championship Edition 2 comes out. Sorry, Championship Edition 2 Plus. So, yeah, it's I think, I don't know if this is a bragging right that's good or not, but I think the Switch is the first system ever in the history of video games to have competitive and cooperative Pac-Man on the same device. So... 
put that one in the Guinness Book of World Records, I guess. It, it's probably, it probably means something to someone. But, but yeah, it, it sounds like it could be a fun game. If it's priced right, I could see myself picking it up. I mean, extra vote confidence definitely comes in from Namco supposedly. I haven't played it firsthand, but I've heard that Namco Museum on Switch was actually surprisingly good. Like, now I did have Pac-Man Versus, which you could download a separate app to have other people play with you, but the entire game supported vertical mode since it's, you know, old arcade games. So, like, that sort of extra attention, I'm hoping they give to Championship Edition 2 Plus. Mm-hmm. So Some we'll developers see. definitely do it for the Switch, so hopefully they follow suit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, time will tell on that, but regardless, that's now at minimum four new noteworthy releases on Switch in February on top of Bayonetta 1 and 2. And we're not even counting whenever Kirby and Yoshi may come down the pipe. I mean, I imagine at least one of them has to be spring. Probably Yoshi based on how far it looks, which is less far than Kirby. Like, I can see Kirby coming out in, say, March, maybe. And then Yoshi sometime in spring after that. But Nintendo hasn't said a word, and we probably won't hear anything until next month. But coincidentally, or maybe not coincidence, instead of perfect segue, spring, when Yoshi may come out, is also when we'll be seeing a newly announced Switch release from uh, Capcom. Which is Street Fighter 30th anniversary. Newly in quotes. Yes. Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection. And in case the name needs some explaining, what we're looking at here is a collection of Street Fighter games for the franchise's 30th anniversary. There are 12 of them to be precise. And they are. And I'm going to read this whole list because I have three points, three takeaways from this list. Are you ready? Here are the Street Fighter games coming to Switch in May. All four of them. No, there's 12 of them. Well, yeah, there's four right. core and 12 var- and eight variants. Yeah, there's four games. Yeah, but four I'm going to read all the subtasks. I have a, I have a point know, to make. Here we go. Ready? Street Fighter. Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 Championship or Champion Edition. Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fight. Super Street Fighter 2. Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Street Fighter Alpha. Street Fighter Alpha 2. Street Fighter Alpha 3. Street Fighter 3. Street Fighter, Fighter 3 Second Impact. And Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. And here's my takeaways. One, man, they have some silly naming schemes for these games. Two, Four of these games actually have online play, which is really cool. If you get uh, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter Alpha 3, or Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, if you play any of those, they will have online support. And three, I'm really curious, Angel, as our resident Street Fighter guru guy, or closest to one, what are your thoughts on this collection? I mean, it's great that they're compiling them all for people that haven't gotten them before. I know there's a lot of people that are big fans of Street Fighter 3 in particular as like being like a lot of their mm-hmm. just favorite Street Fighter. It, like that one just happens to be the favorite of a lot of people that I know. By the way, is it true? I read somewhere. Is it or true Alpha. that there's been no original Street Fighter 3, not Alpha, just regular Street Fighter 3 on the Nintendo system up to this point? Is there that possible? Hasn't. That's so weird. Yeah. I know Alpha was on Game Boy Advance of all things. Street Fighter but... 3 HD came out for PS3 and Xbox 360. Well, that told you. PSG, yeah, there you go. Yeah. End of sentence. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with, like, along the same... Not that... Yeah. yeah. Close to Darkstalkers and other fighting games, but... Yeah, we we haven't gotten any Street Fighter games from Capcom besides Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter 4 on 3DS. Right. So... it. I mean, it, well, we got them on Virtual Console, but this is such a better value than paying eight ninety nine per Street Fighter oh, yeah, 2 definitely. iteration Especially on because console. at least one of each is online, and it's, yes. in theory, like, the best version. Yes. Some people may prefer another one, but, I mean, you get what you get. And the online is not, like, super... I mean, it's it's simple, but it's not bare bones. Like, it has lobbies, as leaderboards, as ranked and casual matches. So it's not like there's, like... It's like an arcade where just someone will pop in and you play them. They're actually doing, like, a proper yeah. online integration, which is cool to see. And, mm-hmm. like, just as a, a value, like, it also comes with a museum of sorts, as they call it, where there's a timeline of releases, there's concept art, there's a music player, and what's cool in the nerdiest of ways, there's a sprite viewer where you can view each individual sprite super zoomed in with each color variation. 
I don't know what purpose that would serve, but to someone, I assume that's super cool and it conceptually it's kind of neat. Yeah, it looks cool. So I mean, they, they could, put, they're putting effort into it. You can this. see the animations of the moves and switch yeah. between like the newer versions and the older versions. So it, it's neat. Like basically Capcom's taking what worked with the Mega Man collections, which also are now coming to Switch and is applying it to Street Fighter. So it's, it's cool to see. It, it is kind of funny though that, um, Capcom's entire lineup of announced Switch projects right now, excluding one Mega Man 11 and a not yet revealed Ace Attorney, is all just ports of old games. Not even like what other companies are doing where it's like, hey, remember this game two years ago? Yeah, we're bringing it over to Switch now. I mean like ports of like Super Nintendo and PS1 games. That's which like they port on everything. Which they pour on everything. So it's exclusively what they're doing to Switch. There are 18 Mega Man games coming over the course of 2018 to Switch besides 11. And now there are 12 Street Fighters joining it. And in what I can't decide is a troubling sign or a vote of confidence or something in between, Capcom CEO said in an interview with Japan's uh, Nikkei newspaper that they'd like to port even more stuff to Switch. Like, this is just the beginning for them. Namely, games that have never been on Nintendo platforms before. So that could be interesting because that could mean, in theory, anything anything from, like, later Breath of like Fire to RPGs to Darkstalkers to maybe something Toyala feel like Dino Crisis to maybe something more modern like Devil May Cry... Like or maybe as we discussed last episode, what would be perfect on Switch? Power Stone. Yeah. Like there, there, it opens a whole breadth of opportunities and options. But more to the point, I don't know how I feel about the idea of I mean, just I, like I mean, the I think they catch up pretty fast. I mean, they gave us all the Mega Man and the in one Street Fighters so. in like in like a, the span of three weeks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> besides that, I feel like any of the pro would just be welcome. Yeah, I but mean, but at the same time, like I don't know how I feel about this idea as a whole of Capcom looking at Switch and being like, oh, it's great for ports. And just stopping at the word port, like. Well, I mean, what other games can they port? I mean, they. I no, I mean, I mean that, that's the point. Port. Well, I mean, fine, you I just mean, said it. I mean, what other games can they make? I mean, I, I don't know the the tech specs of them, but like, I don't know if it's reasonable to believe that Resident Evil Seven could be ported. No, to, I don't think so. To the Switch. but you know what could something like so something like Lost Planet or Dead Rising, like those are type of games that are just old enough that'd be like, hey, we brought to Switch, and that's portable for the first time, yay! And that's like enough of something. No, that's I mean, what Doom did. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. anything is just. But that, but point. that feels a little better, a little bit better than their current. Like, remember these games we've released like twenty times over. Here it is, time twenty one. Enjoy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sucks. But I mean, yeah. at least they did least it all in one fell swoop. Yeah, I mean, all the other games, I don't think they've. If it's not a Mega Man or a Street Fighter, I don't know what other game they've ported over to everything under the sun. Yeah, I don't think there is. But I, I'm just slightly concerned. That, I mean, we're uh, not going to get a new Street Fighter because that's like Sony protected right now. Maybe yeah. Yeah, not even that. I mean. I would Beautiful like a, Joe, three, I mean, four. Maybe Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, but I don't even know. If that I don't know if anyone wants yeah. that after it's well, <laughs> dead I on mean, other systems. I don't know. It's just uh, the visuals people hate. People yeah. seem to be really, really, like, the gameplay is apparently, like, the best it's ever been. So Yeah, and I, and I don't mean to, like, I don't think I just target Capcom here. I mean, Square Enix is... I mean, we're seen, getting Ace Attorney. I mean, that, yeah, we're getting Ace Attorney. Happen. We're getting a new Mega Man. I don't mean to only target Capcom it's just like it's weird that the CEO is like, in a weird position but it is yeah it's just weird that Capcom's kind of like sweet a port machine is literally what they said in the interview he's like oh we underestimated the hybrid nature of the Switch we should bring old games to it it's like uh okay and I mean Square Enix's CEO said something kind of similar he was talking to your Europe's uh, game trade magazine MCV and he was citing that there's this new generation of gamers who don't who haven't experienced older games the first time around and you know Switch and stuff like that great phone, uh, and phones like great opportunity to bring it back now but the difference here is Square Enix's CEO went on to say... We didn't just get straight, Okami, huh? What? We, didn't even we get did a, not. I know. No, not yet. But yeah, the Square Enix CEO went on to say that just straight ports 
isn't cutting it, we need to update and modernize them to make something that works for modern gamers too. So you could argue Capcom's doing that. I mean, they're taking adding online. Street Fighter and putting it online. What Nintendo said they were going to be doing with their Super Nintendo game. Is what they're like now doing and selling separately. Last summer. Yeah. yeah, which is now coming with Nintendo. Oh yeah, Switch Online 2018. That's something to look forward to or hate depending on what Nintendo shows. Metro Prime 4. Metro Prime. Well, that's not confirmed for 2018 yet. But yeah, we can hope. We can hope. I bet we'll learn more about Nintendo Online in that January Direct. But um, but yeah, like you could say... <laughs> we decided to just cancel it and just... Hey, we hope you enjoy... Um, basic free online. Pseudo Skype with our app. <laughs> it is what it is. We're just going to remove the app. Just, it's funny. You know, it's funny. I honestly... Just use Discord or something. Just figure it out on your own. It's much easier. It's funny. I honestly thought like there'd be more... Which honestly, like at this point, if they just are upfront about it, it's fine. I feel like they could get away with it. The Switch is, like, I hate to say it, like, they'll be resting on the laurels, but, like, the Switch is doing well enough on its own, and few enough people are now complaining about online. They could probably coast for a little while. They shouldn't, but in theory, they could. Yeah. Like, the Splatoon situation and whatnot, and Mario Kart and Arms is kind of like, eh, but it's no worse than it was on the Wii U. It's just no better, but it seems like it doesn't need to be better based on the fact that Splatoon's still selling and whatnot, but... Ideally, they should do something. But the thing I was going to say... Then again, if... Yeah. I don't know. If matchmaking was a lot better on the Switch, I'd probably still be playing a lot more with my friends because I stopped. That's true. Like, we were playing... Around the time the Splatoon was new, we were playing pretty frequently online, except for you because you weren't high enough level to even play with us. But, um... That's also true. <laughs> like we were playing Mario Kart, Splatoon, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a hassle. And then eventually... I mean, we ended up having to use, like, just calling each other or just using, like... That's what we've done on Nintendo System. I know, I know exactly. Yeah. But, like, we were trying to use the the lobby the app, system. The Switch so. app. Switch online app. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, not ideal. I mean, I, I keep saying... I like, wish you could just, like, send friend invites also. Just, like, invite someone through yeah. the game, not through the phone. It just feels so... It's about. janky, yeah. Yeah, the whole, like, when I was saying, like, oh, Splatoon is still selling, we, we only know it's selling. We don't know how much it's being used or played. So, yeah, that that's a valid point. It might, Nintendo should probably still do it. But, but yeah, like, the whole, you know, like, Capcom, so playing online in Street Fighter, I guess, in theory, is enough to consider it new or modern or Switch-ready or whatever. But, yeah, I, I mean, actually, it's not, I don't know, I guess it's no different. Like, if they were to port over Devil May Cry down the line and well, say, gonna look. Be, it's going to be DMC. Oh god, if it's DMC, that's a whole other story. But let's say it's Devil May Cry, like legit, like the trilogy, one, two, three, and they upres it. That's at that point literally identical to what Bay- what uh, Bayonetta's having go on. Yeah. Wait, that's at the Platinum's doing the Bayonetta's. I'm I like that to every say. time a new Bayonetta comes out, they bring all the old ones. Right, out. it's at just this like point, it's yeah, like, it's like tradition now. So the next Nintendo console is going to have Bayonetta one, two, and three. Yeah, with four, with four attached. Or like, or even Namco Bandai, like we were just talking about Pac-Man Championship Edition. going to be Infinite or Crisis. Um. Crisis. <laughs> Wait, Infinite, what? I mean, Infinite Climax times two or something. Oh, God. It, yeah. Oh, yeah, because non-stop Climax Edition, yeah. Yeah. It just, like, yeah, I keep calling it Infinite Climax. Even though Infinite Climax sounds a little too English. You need a little more English in there with, with oh. non-stop Climax Edition. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I was going to say that, like, if you look at what Namco Bandai is doing with Pac-Man Championship Edition, like, I was just saying, like, oh, it's cool to bring it over with a new mode. Like, if Capcom just did that, my whole concern about ports, or if Square Enix does that, which it sounds like they're going to based on the CEO's comments, my whole concern about ports is kind of out the window. So, I don't know. Like, I have no problem with the Switch being a system where it's like, look, it's portable for the first time, and then they hand you a game. Like, there's a rumor right now that Burnout Paradise is coming to Switch, that EA's going to port over. And I'm 100% cool with that, because the idea of taking a game as good as Burnout and just being like, now it's on the go is, is enough. But I hate to see someone like Capcom 
who makes all sorts of really equally cool games only do like bare bones updates to old ports and yeah, sort of skate by on do, that. I mean, at this point, just because a lot of their main IPs are pretty much pushing the consoles they're on, yeah. I feel like we're going to have to get like our own separate new Or something. I mean, we have Ace Attorney. So we have I mean, Ace Attorney coming. Did... We have Mega Man 11, which is cross-platform. Yeah, and but... I mean, that is what got us um, Resident Evil Revelations on the 3DS to begin with. So which was great. There's no reason they can't create a brand new Resident Evil just for the Switch or even maybe bring back Beautiful Joe. Let, I'd love that. Or even... Let, let Nintendo do that with Beautiful Joe that they did with Bayonetta. Yeah, because like, if you look at what... Let Okami live. Give Okami 2 to the Switch. I, yeah, bring us Okami HD like you were saying before. Like I, Because they... If you look at what they've done on Nintendo in the past, Capcom, we got stuff like Phoenix Wright, Beautiful Joe, as you mentioned, Resident Evil 4, Piano 3, which was super random at the Killer 7, like all these... Resident Evil Revelations, Monster Hunter, all these random... Are you going to keep interrupting yourself? I am going to keep interrupting myself. This is going to be two hours of me just stopping myself every third word. But no, it's... um. It's all these games that, like, were really quality releases, and if instead they're just like, hey, remember those games you used to already have on your portable, like your Game Boy? Here it is again on your Switch now in HD. I don't know if that quite cuts it, so, yeah. I mean, I feel kind of bad. I feel like I'm always, I feel like the last few episodes all I've been doing is kind of bashing Capcom strategy for Switch. First, I'm like, stop making test games, just release games. And I'm like, okay, here's some games. I'm like, no, not, not those games, these games. But it's just because, like, they make really good games, so it's kind of, like, it's great to see every Street Fighter and every Mega Man known to mankind appear on one system at one time. That's cool. But, like, all those games I just rattled off are, like, really quality. Like, Capcom used to be one of my favorite developers in, like, the GameCube days. So it's kind of like... Uh, at this point, I feel like... And I ended on the DS, honestly. Street so Fighter 4 kinda... feels old enough that they should have just included that there, too. They really should have. I mean, they could have Street Fighter 4, Super Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition. Dude, yeah, that would prove my point more about and silly ul- naming schemes. <laughs> and Ultra Street Fighter 4. Yeah, so... Yeah, to see them potentially... And that would have honestly made that bundle, the Street Fighter collection, seem a bit more meaty. Yeah. Because, like, all those games, almost all those games, one form or another, you can play on Game Boy Advance. So, or, like, on Virtual Console for the past three generations. So it's just, Except like... Third Strike. That's the only one that yeah, feels Third the Strike, most significant, yeah. but... Yeah. And online is a plus. But it's just, like, yeah, there's so much potential here that I just hate to see Capcom even tiptoed one foot down the wrong path before trying to be like, no guys, over here, over here. So we'll see. I mean, more broadly speaking, one thing I think Nintendo third parties are going to have to be particularly mindful of um, with in 2018 on Switch is eShop discoverability. Because if all these companies are just dumping all these games, it's going to be hard to find anything. Like right now, there are over 300, I looked this up, there are 380 titles available to download on the Switch right now. Now, right now, right now. Wow! By the by, by uh, New Year's Eve, there's gonna be a whole nother. Like there's gonna be 15 more probably. So like Where's right now, yeah. Seriously, just put down like five thousand bucks. You're good. But 380 games. That number with every new release, every port from Capcom, every classic game from Capcom, every every everything. That number's just gonna keep growing, obviously. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's obviously great. Like the fact that you got someone like uh, Image Inform, a Nindy mainstay who did the SteamWorld series, the fact that they just out of the blue were like, hey, SteamWorld Heist is going to be on Switch in a couple days, and then boom, there it was. That's really cool. And then to have them come out and confirm they're going to have multiple releases in 2018, which I believe is the first of them, having multiple games in one year, that's even better. So having Nindies like them and others do that is great, but now extrapolate that, like extrapolate that enthusiasm that Image Inform is showing, or that Capcom's doing with all these collections or whatever, to every single developer out there, and that's a lot of games. And while it's absolutely awesome as a Switch owner to have that many games, from the perspective of developers, they need to see return on their investments. They need to actually be 
discoverable. Like Nintendo's gonna have to give them proper visibility somehow, somehow, or else it's like gonna be Steam or worse, where it's just like unless you know of a game somehow, you're never just gonna discover it. You know? Yeah. So like right now, I'll just give you some perspective here. Right now, we continue to hear all these crazy sales performance numbers of indie games, right? Like we talk about them every few episodes. Yeah, there now. was wasn't there a game recently that Inver- on the f- I think it's on Inversus. Oh, I don't know. Um, I just saw a tweet about it this morning. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Something about it sold like twice as much yes. in its first day than it did in its whole You were thinking of Blossom Tales, The Sleeping King, which is a top-down kind of action RPG, a very Zelda-y, very Zelda-esque, and it looks fun, honestly. I had no idea that existed. You don't seem to have any idea that existed until this I morning, right? I've never heard of that game. Same. And yet. It's on the American eShop? It's on the American eShop. Neither of us have heard of it. It's been on Steam for nine months. And day one, it sold more on Switch on launch day than its entire existence on Steam, which, sorry, was seven months, not nine months. But that sort of success story, where it's a little game that even the, like, diehards that look for this stuff, us couldn't, like, didn't know about, and it still sold that oh, well. Right. And I thought I looked through every game, like, on Tuesdays. Right. It's just like as a, oh, let's see what's on the eShop, even if I don't plan yeah. on buying anything. so the fact that that could happen right now is great for Switch and great for every indie developer, but as more games pile on, we're going to hear less of those stories. Like, some will still do well. I think a game like Inversus Deluxe, which they just said they sold more copies on Switch in 10 weeks than a full year's worth on Steam. Like, some of those games mm-hmm. like that will rise to the top. Compared to the other one, this almost sounds like it's bad news. I know, but, it's, but we all know <laughs> the actual like, oh, number. Man, yeah. ten oh, man, 10 weeks? Only sorry, ten, man. 10 weeks and it took a year's worth? Ah, oh, dude, you didn't double in a day. I'm sorry. You might as well just, like, pull your game from the store. Yeah. But, no, it's, um, but, like, something like Inversus, which has some buzz around it, and, like, we really liked it on the show when we talked about it a few episodes ago. Those sorts of ones or the more high-profile ones would definitely rise to the top and be fine. But the little guys, like the Blossom Tales, they're, at some point in 2018... There's, I think, probably 2018, there's going to be a turning point where you simply won't have those stories of Blossom Tale success because there will just be so many games. So it's Nintendo's going to have to do something. I mean, some games are still going to be fine. Not just the ones that rise to the top through word of mouth, but like stuff that's been promised a long time on Switch that early adopters know about. So like, you know, Red Out, that, re- that futuristic racing series that supposed to be a launch title, kept getting delayed, now it's coming early 2018. Pocket Fighter. Pocket Fighter. Wait, is it, is it Pocket Fighter or Pocket Rumble? Pocket Rumble. Pocket Rumble. Yeah, Pocket Rumble, which is a fighter. There we go. I saved you. Um, Pocket Rumble. I'm saving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and that is when, on air, he denied all religion. No. But uh, Pocket Rumble, um, yeah, that, who knows what happened to that. That's supposed to come out in March. It's a lot, it has a decent amount of buzz around it. It will still do well when it comes out because just a lot of people know about it. But ex- except those situations or ones that get a lot of buzz, a lot of games are just going to fall to the wayside. So, like, the little guy, so to speak, is going to – that definition of whatever makes up the little guy, that's a surprise success. That little guy definition is going to expand more and more and cover more and more games, and stuff is just going to get swallowed up. Yeah, whole. like, I'm pretty sure um that game that – I think it's called Mom Worth My Game or something like that. If that Mom were, Hid My Game. Yeah, my mom hid I my think, game. Yeah. Is that a high-profile iOS game or something? It I don't I, know, cause, but cause it's I, everywhere. Because I feel like if it wasn't on that direct – I wouldn't pay much attention to it. And even though... Like, it was well-known on iOS for a while. I don't know. It's also on Android. It's on 3DS. It's on PlayStation. It's on a lot. Oh. might be on Wii U, even. I mean... It's, it's it's made the rounds. I feel like it I'm gets miss- around. I feel like I'm missing something. With I have game. not watched a single video of it outside that direct, so I couldn't even begin to tell you. Oh. All I know yeah. is it's like... 
Yeah. It looks like the Wii, like, warning manual where it's like, don't have your Wii drink coffee or whatever. You know, that weird, those weird 2D uh, illustrations became a video game about hiding systems. But yeah, I know nothing about it. But yeah, like that, well, that one has some buzz. But, you know, stuff like that that doesn't have the weird attention around it is just going to fall to well, I mean, for one thing, I didn't know Crawl was coming out until I randomly browsed it on the Right, Wii and then we're about to talk about it in like 15 minutes as a result. So, like, there's going to be that disconnect. Like, you won't find Crawl this time of year, you know, like this time next year or whatever. So it, what's, what's going to be interesting to see in 2018 is how Nintendo's going to address this over time. Like they have a lot of tools at their fingertips where they can help push eShop games. I mean, obviously there's social media, there's the Switch's news channel, or if you want to get real niche, they can do stuff like uh, their new, shall we say, programming options. Like they have the Nintendo Power podcast now. Welcome to the podcasting world, Nintendo. Enjoy your stay. But yeah, they have a podcast now where they have Chris Slate, the former editor of Nintendo Power, kind of talk to developers and whatnot so it's a little it's a little more like uh, audio nintendo direct with a bit more in-depth information but they pres- presumably can use that as another way to get word out about tinier games but they're gonna need to really step up how frequently and how creatively they start promoting these indies because stuff is gonna disappear into a black hole of eShopness in 2018 so i don't know it's something to it's something we'll have to see how that goes over the next year but it's something to be mindful of but you know what we won't see in 2018 arms actually no i take that back the arms graphic novel from dark horse will be available on free comic book day or sorry a teaser issue of the eventual graphic novel of arms will be available on comic book day in may free comic book day for free but if you want like actual arms the video game it's done it's over we uh nintendo revealed that there won't be making any new content and we got the final bit of content a parting gift if you will with arms version 5.0 i guess outside of patches and stuff yeah outside of patches and stuff but um what's kind of nice is this sort of segues us away from talking about 2018 and into the current year 2017 um because you have been playing the arms 5.0 update and the impression i got is you have things to share yeah so i feel like with this update the game finally feels complete i feel like the story mode now it has closure it felt like we've been saying in the podcast it just always had this unfinished feeling to the game that i feel has now been addressed especially with the single player mode it just always felt like it just ended abruptly like sure um headlock just flies off into the nether and you're just like oh where did he go this time but there's like never any way to actually figure that out on your own within the game and that just always i don't know it just bothered me i know that's not you make game Headlock sound like a sitcom character. You know, like, one of the side characters, like, <laughs> busts in the door, and it's like, hey, guys, and that freeze frames at the end. And... That kind of is what he was. I mean, the freeze frame was the title card that said, you're not battling Headlock. There's, but... This is not an appropriate con. It's literally a character's name, but you're saying Headlock is... Boner is to Growing Pains, but Headlock is to Arms, is what I'm hearing. And someone out there got that reference to be like, I love Growing Pains, but I don't think you're that someone. No, because I did not watch Growing Pains. I watched on, on reruns. There's a guy named Boner, and no one in the no one that runs the censorship department at Disney was like, bad name choice. Not a single person. Oh. And Headlock is the, bo- <laughs> is the Boner of Arms. Anyway. Yeah. Well, essentially, with the addition of Dr. Coyle, who is a new playable character in this in this version which is a really fun and creative character just um mechanics wise I mean design wise I think she looks great all but, the characters look great it's yeah. one of the strengths of the game yeah like overall they all look really really great mm-hmm. I think we, we said um, we agreed that Misango was the weakest one yes I mean even Springtron he's pretty weak but I mean as far as just like Ryu to Akuma goes I mean I do he looks like a pretty cool evil version of Spring sure. Man yeah but 
Yeah, like um, just the way the story mode goes, you fight the so-called final boss, and you fight another final boss. It just felt satisfying. Like, I finally got that satisfying, like, cool. I actually enjoyed that There's whole thing. Yeah, there was proper closure. And I, li- I like her stage. Yeah. Being redacted. Being redacted. That, that, that's literally what it's called. I'm not just yeah, saying. Yeah, the stage is also is really nice. And, yeah. yeah, like, the number of stages, the number of characters just feels like a... It feels like a... What do you say? Satisfying number. It just feels, it's still small. Yeah, it's still small, but it all feels satisfying just because all the characters they all bring something for the most part, especially with the DLC. They all bring something completely different from each other, with the exception of like um, Master Mummy and uh, Mechanica are basically the same character, except one yeah. flies and one regenerates health. Yeah, but they're both tanks. But yeah, like, everything just feels like satisfying. Like it could, to me, it barely justified its price i would still only recommend it on a sale but Which, if you bought enough, it Nintendo but, games never go on sale i know right <laughs> but for once i could finally say like all right i don't regret arms anymore it's actually great as it is now yeah i feel like do you get the feeling maybe there's going to be more and then there wasn't like like let me explain so there's that leaked character code name roster right that had nine names on it Nine that they couldn't figure out who it was, like the people that data mined it. I mean, there was one that said plant, but then I feel like, all right, I, I could see how that could have ended up being the Sango with people not really realizing Potentially, it. yeah, but then that means another one wasn't, which they think is. Well, I mean, uh, but there was like another one. I, I forgot what it was. I think it was. There might have been some redundancies there, but I'm just wondering if like, let's say it's not even the full nine. Let's say it's like seven. We got five out of that list, ultimately. And I can't help but wonder if maybe, maybe Nintendo pulled the plug a little sooner than planned. Like, especially since... You know, the game launched rather bare bones. You were just saying it wasn't only now does it feel worth like a comprehensive Barely. Yeah, only now does it feel like a comprehensive package. But they promised a, when it came out they're like, Oh, we have a lot of content coming down the pipe. Like it's good you're gonna get your money. I feel worth. like the amount of content I would have expected yeah, from an announcement like that's that. That's what I'm saying. Like it's absolutely true. They I was did expecting a full year of support. Like Splatoon style. Like that, yeah. And they did to their credit put out a fair amount of stuff. I mean they cranked out stuff in these last couple months, as we were just saying. But it's all in just six months, and they're like, okay, we're done. I mean, the game yeah. sold over a million copies. Don't get me wrong. This I mean, thing did well, but I can't help but feel that, like, sales definitely tapered off. Like, we heard it hit a million really quick, and then we didn't hear anything since. So, And it's not on the MPD anymore. It's not on the sales charts anymore. I can't help but wonder if when you have a, tunk, a chunk of the team that makes Mario Kart dedicated to ARMS DLC, and ARMS doesn't have legs... Anyone want to give me a high five for that one? That was good. No? Okay. Arms no, doesn't have legs. So many times. We've probably said it. And it never gets Arms. old. I am a broken record. No, but the fact that Arms doesn't have legs and they have the Mario Kart team, which could go make a new Mario Kart working on this, I could see them ultimately being like, you know what? We should probably prioritize them back on Mario Kart and just start laying Arms conclude. Like, I wonder if Dr. Coyle wasn't going to be revealed till later on and then they bumped her up and kind of saved the other characters for an eventual Arms 2 with like a more fleshed out story mode maybe or something come in tail end of switch or switch two or something in the future yeah. i just kind of get that vibe like there's good closure i, I like that. that they gave it closure but like with the stuff that they reveal about coil and her involvement with headlock and other characters backstories and that sort of thing but it just kind of feels like kind of feels like they might cut it short well yeah that's what i'm saying like it barely feels satisfying yeah. like yeah. i could say it feels satisfying but i still feel feels like there was more it's on the lighter end yeah it's almost like um, comparing it to harsh, it's a harsh comparison, but it kind of gets my point about like two, one, two switch, <laughs> like that game. Like I know it's not getting any more additional content, 
But that's just how big the game is. I mean, and tough. Yeah, yeah. It is. And I mean, it's kind of a bummer because Arms does a lot right. Like we we were saying before, like the character design's great. Love the stages. Love the music. The mute. The fact that each character's theme is literally just a riff on the main theme and and matches their style is like such a cool concept that no other game really does. Yeah, and to go back again, yeah, like the characters are just great, especially um, like just to kind of quickly summarize, like Doctor Coil. Like, her gimmick is that she's just always floating. You can hold the jump button to perpetually fly. So she doesn't actually jump. She just kind of hovers. Mm-hmm. And she also has a third arm, which is pretty cool. Like, whenever you charge your arms all the way, you could punch and she'll throw out three arms instead of two. Wait, how is that not OP? <laughs> because she doesn't have it all the time. Okay, and it's okay. ra- and it appears to be random which arm gets the third arm. It's either going to be the left or the right one. Gotcha. So honestly, you're doubling up on a certain arm. You might get the wrong arm that you're trying to get at that moment. Right. And if you hold your shield all the way, she turns invisible for a few seconds, which is also pretty cool. Because from your opponent's perspective, it looks like you're teleporting because you go completely invisible. There's mm-hmm. no like transparency or anything, which is nice. And, I mean, she's kind of slow. She's always moving, but I mean, yeah. she's just a really fun character, really creative. Yep, just like all the other ones. Again, they may have great characters. That's the thing. Like, It's such great I was world a- building in general. I was really sure that they're gonna release a character that like attacked only with their legs or something and where's the oh then arms would have legs the joke comes back around yeah um but also no nintendo cameos kind of surprising no well they, maybe not they, 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 trying they, to make they, made, they made it a point when splatoon came out that that's they true. wanted to separate it as much as possible so and i don't see why they wouldn't want to do yeah. with this one that's a fair point maybe we'll see spring man or i mean we still haven't even seen anything mario related in splatoon at least like directly which if you think about it which if you think about it's actually kind of insane yeah, yeah now it's kind of surprising that's like yeah. i thought by now like that splatoon has proven itself to be a strong like entity on its own right that we'd get like oh here's the like mario squid yeah here's like a, just a mario costume i mean they're all cosmetics just like squidify it with their fashion like maybe be like a like ripped jeans i don't know what Squid kids. I, like. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's trendy with the squid kids these days. Ah, those rascals. Halloween event in Splatoon 2. I'm just throwing out there, Nintendo. You're, if you're listening, free idea. Go ahead and make money off it. You do a Halloween event where you can pick different costumes, and all the costumes are from other Nintendo franchises. Or, and if, or like, they, do it like the Mario Kart 8 costumes, but it's in Splatoon. Yeah. Or if they don't want to, like, commit so hard to, like, oh, just give them a Samus costume, then just give them unique little style nintendo clothing that's just you know better yet just literally just, give them the unique low clothing yeah like, exactly like that like just minimalistic like nintendo designs or sometimes oh, even I, more I in your face, that. like nintendo designs that are like oh that's a that's a samus or that's a yoshi but not actually give them a yoshi costume i feel like so unique low not that they have to i mean splatoon is fine but yeah in japan the last Splatfest or the current spot fest is unique low jackets it's picking which jackets oh, you yeah. like more. Uniqlo's literally already in the game, Nintendo. Just one step further, and you can have all the cool clothes. My Mario shirt could be in the game. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Put the Splatoon <laughs> shirt in Splatoon. I don't know. Oh, man. That, no, that's too meta. That's that the, the game will just implode on itself at that point. But, but yeah, ARMS, like... I mean, so, back to ARMS. Since that's always what we were I mean, talking the game's about. already meta by acknowledging that they have bands, patches, and stuff like that. That's true. Or that... Actually, Pearl and Marina are very meta. About everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, back to ARMS. I was going to say, so the... I do like that ARMS' patch notes are all very, like, in-universe. Like, oh, yeah. Lola Pop was practicing her... I don't know, I guess her act, and is now more agile. Her speed has increased or something Everything like about ARMS is just such good world-building, which is why it's such a bummer that they kind of just stopped it. Yeah. Like, there's a lot we don't know, which I imagine stuff like the Dark Horse comic will go into, and ultimately I ARMS, mean, too. But I guess it, it feels more and more like Overwatch. I mean, at this point, it is kind of like Overwatch. Yeah. Like, Overwatch did kind of feel 
kind of bare bones like when i would like just watch people play like oh there's only that multiplayer mode and that's it eventually they started adding more now there's like team deathmatch they have these special events like sometimes they have soccer sometimes they have this other thing but none of the world the world building is all hinted at just like in arms all the actual well they make cutscenes for overwatch well yeah that's like all the plot you have to get through comic books and like cutscenes outside of the game arms doesn't even have those cutscenes yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I no, feel like no, the the arms doesn't have cutscenes. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't have those cutscenes. Doesn't. I mean, no. I mean, Overwatch doesn't have the cutscenes in the game. Like they're all no. But I mean, arms literally. Period does not have the cutscenes, game or otherwise. You can't go online and watch the Min Min reveal video where it explains why she loves ramen so much. That just does not exist. But you can't go learn about the crazy doctor or professor ape dude from Overwatch, gorilla guy. No, yeah, yeah. So like, there is that discrepancy still. I know. Yeah, we don't yeah. have that. That's yeah. what I mean. But and, and and like the thing is like I kind of want to know the backstory of like who decided hey here's some weird people with stretchy arms what if we slap them on the other people and throw them in a boxing ring like do we never know that they hint at it being like some ancient thing with like hieroglyphics never really know yeah that it's nor will we ever know yeah so I mean this is why I think an arms two is bound to happen the game sold well enough that it will get a sequel it just maybe didn't sell mm-hmm. quite well enough arms to... adventure it's not even a fighting game like super, it's, it's like, like when monkey a, ball it's went, a beat em up or something it's like when super monkey ball went from being super monkey ball to super monkey ball adventure which is like a weird platformer with monkey balls so maybe they'll do that I don't know but they are going to continue supporting arms in one specific way which is character balancing updates um, it almost seems like the game's not going to take on a second life of just being strictly a competitive thing like Evo kicks off next month in Japan um, for the first time, and arms is competing. Arms one of the games people are competing in yeah, there. I'm definitely curious to see which characters will be actually be considered OP. Because yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean this is all just based on like my impressions of it. I could be way wrong, and right. it usually is when it comes to that kind of stuff. People right. figure out things for the characters you wouldn't expect. I mean, so so yeah. I think I think that will carry arms through twenty. As much as arms is going to be carried through 2018, as much as those arms can carry, there's an original joke. Um, yeah, it's the the beat the meat of the game is pretty much over and done with. But it'd be, I'm curious to see how it evolves as a competitive game at this point, and what Nintendo does to based on you know what people make of each character in competitive sense and all that. Yeah. So time will tell. But Arm, Arms isn't actually all I've been playing though, right? Like these past couple of weeks, there's kind of been this final push of new eShop games um, and mobile updates. So since we're talking current 2017 releases, I think it kind of makes sense to move our what we're playing from the end to here. Like usually it's at the end. Now we're gonna do it here. So with that said. Fine. Angel, what have you been playing? I know the answer because I put it at the um, top of the show. A but... lot of Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I'm just playing through that DLC. Really fun. Playing a lot of it every day. And that does it for the <laughs> show. No. <laughs> no, but there are a couple games you want to talk about specifically, right? I, yeah. I haven't even bought the DLC for Zelda, to be honest. Like, I haven't beaten the main game. Well, Shocker. Well, that, so. that, well, that's why it wouldn't do you any good because a lot of it only activates if you've beaten the main game. Although that motorcycle... Which you wouldn't be able to do anything. That motorcycle's anyway. pretty awesome. Well, then you have to beat the game to play it. I know. I'm just saying that motorcycle, man. But anyway, so you you brought Crawl before. I know that's one of your two. That's games what you want to talk play. about. All that's right. what you want to talk about. This is all you. You requested that I put this on the outline, my friend. Sure, <laughs> if you say so. Um, I put my water, water ball into the mic unintentionally. Yeah. So Crawl, as I mentioned before, was the game that I just randomly discovered on the eShop. Um, just the premise just sounded intriguing. You're essentially going through a dungeon on a two-thirds perspective like top down mm-hmm. and all you want to do is just kill monsters gain experience get to level 10 experience which is when you're allowed to enter this portal where you fight a randomly picked giant monster and if you kill the monster you win the game it could last as long as 30 minutes or be as short as 10 minutes 
Actually, that's maybe, interesting. Actually, maybe never that short. Maybe as short oh, as okay. 20 or 15. Gotcha. Like, if the person is that good. But the twist is that all the monsters and all the traps in that dungeon are controlled by your friends. And usually by computers if you're playing with no friends. But I would say with friends, this is, this is a game you only buy if you're going to be playing with friends. Like, because it's just really, really fun. Like, Elvis and I were playing it. He apparently... This game has been out since April, I believe, on Steam. Pretty much everything else except for Switch. But on Switch, it just makes perfect sense. Like, it's it's a no-brainer. It's mm-hmm. a local co-op game. And with, so wait, do, how do they and with really, pick what happens? And what's really fun about this game is that um, when you start off, you... Well, the first time you play it, there's this really cool prologue that literally, like, teaches you how to play the game... It has, like, the very creepy overturn. The game is pretty dark. There's, like, a lot of pixelated blood. It has kind of, like, a somewhere between a Super Nintendo and NES look. It's, like, 16-bit. Not quite 8, not quite 32. Yeah, it's, like, in Oh, wait, no. At Super Nintendo was 16. Yeah. 32 is the... Mega. I don't know. Like, yeah. like there are some things that look really nice in detail, and there are other things that look like it was ripped from, like, a, a really old PC game. Like, really old, like, Dragon, oh, so it's like, 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 like a King's Quest kind of deal. Oh, really? That old? Sometimes, right. yeah. So it's kind of like what Shovel Knight did, where it's like, we're aiming for this aesthetic, but we're going to take some liberties on the graphics when needed. Yeah. So really, it's super retro with some hints of NES, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. And as a result, like, yeah, there's, like, there's Blood and Gore. There's even, um, yeah, there's even a boss where, like, a guy, like, it, he's it's shown, like, with his back turned towards you. So, mm-hmm. but he's, like, stabs himself, rips his heart out, puts it on a pedestal, and then puts on this weird head thing, and all of a sudden he could control a giant monster. Naturally. But, but essentially, um, the game starts off with everyone putting in their names on the title screen, and then you just all start, like, huddled around a campfire or some sort of scenario, and then everyone's just supposed to fight to the death. Like, one shot kills, and the last person surviving becomes the hero that gets to traverse the dungeon, and everyone else becomes ghosts that just float around the screen as they see fit, and they collect ectoplasm. Collecting of ectoplasm, you can produce a little blob of enemy monster that you can just let loose to uh, try to kill your opponent or you can mm. take control of it to try to kill them manually mm-hmm. but as they're traversing through the dungeon they're trying to gain experience and buy better weapons and you're just trying to kill them and then every once in a while you'll see these pentagrams on the floor and when you enter the pentagram you transform into a monster from the set of three monsters that you picked in the beginning right when you selected your name so you write your name then you pick which i guess pack of monsters you want it's always a pack of three and whenever you're the monster and you deal damage to the human player, you gain wrath. And the more wrath you collect, the more you can wrath is your currency for the ghosts. If you have enough wrath, you can spend that wrath to evolve your monsters to bigger and stronger ones later on. This is all within, like per game, because you're saying it could be as short as like 15 minutes. So yeah, this, this all resets the yeah, evolution it, it, it and, goes, all, and the wrath. And yeah, all that. It's, it's a floor basis. So when you start the game, you're on the oh, fr- you're on the first floor. Okay. Yeah, you pretty much have that floor. Whoever's alive, we'll say whoever's alive, has that floor to try to gain as much experience and get to the portal, but you have to be level 10. So if you're not level 10, you just go down to the next floor. Mm, okay. And when you get down to the next floor, that's when you tally how much wrath people have. They spend their wrath to evolve their monsters, eventually getting like super crazy big monsters or really fast, small, but annoying monsters. Essentially, you're just trying to get bigger monsters to stop the human. And whoever lends the killing blow to the person then comes back to life, and that person becomes the ghost. So, uh, so, so it becomes like it a, rotates. So it's a tug of war. Yeah, like there was a we were playing with some computers, and Elvis was a person alive, and he was fighting off this one computer by himself, like barely surviving, and then I was able to just swoop in and take like the final kill. Right, and it's really fun. And the monsters, um, 
the monsters themselves, uh, you have, the more you play, the more you unlock. And the boss monsters, are they appear to be random. We've played it like a couple of times already, and we've always played a different kind of final boss monster. Because mm-hmm. once you fight that final boss and you kill it, um, the game ends. And the nice thing about those giant bosses, they're all like giant bosses. And the ghost characters can control different parts of them, like appendages or... Yeah, mainly appendages. Like, if it's a three-headed dragon, each one could control a different head. You could go away from the head and control, like, pillars or traps. It's really creative. I've never played a game like this. Yeah, that sounds kind of cool. I Everyone's did like a puppeteer of a piece of it, mm-hmm. of the boss. That's cool. And once that's over, if the final boss kills the hero, then everyone loses except for the ghosts. I mean, the, the people alive lose, and that's it. But if the winner loses, then the ghosts lose. And the nice little touch that they do is that they pretty much say the... If the human, if the living person survives, then they really survive. Everyone else's profile gets deleted. So if you win, you'll keep your profile. If not, you're going to have to create a new one. Right. And I believe it's only 14 bucks. Yes, I, I looked this up. This is the one thing I did when you said, I want to talk about this game. It is 14.99. Yeah, 14.99. And I would definitely recommend it. It's just really fun. It's really neat. It sounds unique. It sounds and very unique. it fits with the Switch perfectly. Like, if you have four people, like... It's definitely at its best with four people. It still works pretty well with two, mm-hmm. except there's just more chicken fighting because you have much more space and there's only one monster for your, for the human for the a life player to deal with at a time. You pretty much just run around in circles, hoping that one person misses their attack and then you attack them. Oh, I see what you mean. But if there's like you versus three monsters at once, it's a lot more chaotic. Right. right. So it's versus more chaos or more. I guess it feels more personal, competitive. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's cool. That sounds cool. Again, yeah, right. that, that see, that's again at Lurie came out. Nowhere. Yeah, because like Elvis apparently, um, he's had his eye on it ever since he read about it on Steam, but he never got it because it didn't really seem like a game that he would want to play like on the computer. Right. It's, def- it's definitely it's definitely more of a console game. Mm-hmm. As I mean, it already is one, but it's nice to be on. I mean, I didn't even. It's been out since April, and I we didn't know about it on the PS4 or any other console. For some reason, now it suddenly exists. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's part of the switch and what's going to happen with Nintendo's discoverability. At least while yeah, while they're still able to release like a handful of games per week that we can keep track. Yeah, of. as you yeah. were saying, like next year, who knows? Next year will be nuts. So, so that's one game, which actually sounds really cool. Like I kind of want to try it after this. But you also yeah. are playing Mute Muds, right? Or the collection of Mute Muds, which is Mute Muds, Mute Muds Two. Yeah, Mute Muds Collection, the um, new puzzle game. Yeah, it was Mute Muds Deluxe, Super Mute Muds Challenge, oh, yeah, Mute yeah, Muds Super the Challenge. And then, yeah, Mud Blocks. So the first two we've talked about on this show before. It's just a really fun, it's a really difficult, like, position-based platformer. The second one more than the first, but yeah. Yeah. The first one starts easy, but it has a lot of really hard levels that they added in mm-hmm. later. There's, like, ghost levels that are just, they're pretty much just meant to frustrate you. Right, which are all built in with collection, right? Or come included on collection. Yeah, yeah, they're all, everything is included in there, which is really great. And the games are just fun. They're a lot more slower paced than, say, something like The End is Nigh. Right. But they're still, I would say, at least Super Challenge is probably just as difficult. But, I mean, you shoot, you hover for a little bit. I mean, it's, there isn't much to the gameplay. It's just a run and gun. Not even a run, it's like a, it's a stroll and gun. But the third game, the new one that's completely new is Mudblocks, which is, I think it's just like a modification of his Monkey Bomb game that he had on the DS, 3DS. Right. And this one, it's, it's like um, Puyo Pop. Essentially, you throw blocks down, huh. try to match the colors, but the twist is that none of the blocks pop whenever you have the ma- the like four or five matching colors. They only pop whenever you throw down a water ball, 
And wherever you throw the water ball, the water ball explodes one space up, left, down, and up. No, up, down, left, right. Yeah. So you have to really think about where you want to throw that water ball, how you position the other blocks around it. There are also blocks that if you throw the water ball at them, they'll completely destroy an entire row or column. So it's simple, but it also can get very deep if you want to like go. And for it has a vertical sport. mode, which is awesome. Yeah. I love games on Switch. Uh, Pinball FX3, which I'll probably talk about down the line. Um, I've always started playing it, but I love how all these games are doing the vertical switch thing. There's no easy way to hold your ver- your Switch vertical. You have to like find a weird little stand for it, but it's so cool when they do it. But yeah, this game, um, it's really fun. When I got it, if you had pre-ordered it, it would have only been nine bucks, but now it's fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, I now believe. it's fifteen. Yeah. Which I would still say is definitely worth it. I mean, the games alone, I think I paid for at least 10 bucks each, if not maybe Yeah, so more. I believe Mutant Mud 1 original on 3DS, way back when, was 8 to start or 9 to start. And then Super Deluxe was, I think, the same price on 3DS. Yeah. On Wii U, where it was HD, it was like 10 or 11. So you And basically, you're getting both those games discounted plus yeah, a remember, free puzzle game. I remember Super Challenge, if you bought it on 3DS, you also got it on yeah, the Yeah, it was 3. the first game on Nintendo platform to do cross-buy, I believe. Yeah. Or one of the very Actually, first. Actually, was watching, Watson, yeah. watching, <laughs> yeah, pioneering. But, yeah, I would, I, would, I would recommend them. It's a no-brainer for that price. And you have a high score. You can see your friend's high score. You can see the world's high score. Oh, it has online leaderboards? Yeah. Every, every single game has online leaderboards. Oh, that's new. Wait, yeah. is that new? It is new. That's new. <laughs> yeah, you can see it for the game overall. You can see that's very it. cool. You can see it on a per level basis, per world basis. It's it's really good. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Mute Mutt has always been yeah, like, a mainstay for the Nintendo indie scene, yeah. so it's cool to see them. It's just a very simple game, but it's just it so, works so well. It's just super polished. Like everything is just super polished. And there's a ton of indie game char- character cameos in yeah, normal games. You can games. get Shantae. I think you can get a Shovel Knight. You can even play you can as get Rusty um, from Steam World Dig. Yeah, you can even play as Rami Cowboy from Go Nintendo. Wait, what? Yeah, I didn't know he was in there. Yeah, good for him. How long yeah. to were in a game? Granted, we're not going Nintendo in size or scope, but yeah. we need to make that happen somehow. Yeah. Our little so Miis running go. around. Oh, that's how we're in a game. We play Wii Sports with our Miis, and then we're in the game. So those are mainly the, the two polished, sprite-based games I've been playing. Yeah, for, for me, I, I've i dived into ukulele, which I originally wanted to talk about this episode, but it's such a sprawling collect-a-thon of a game that I think I just need a little more time before I can actually give proper impressions. So outside of that, what I've mainly been playing is actually a couple of Nintendo's mobile games, which, much like ARMS, just in the last week here, have received some last-minute, end-of-the-year updates um, that are kind of cool and kind of significant. So I went back and, visit, and revisited Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, which I realized we just talked about last <gasps> episode. I forgot to delete it. Wow, well, I mean, you could go try the gardens too, because <laughs> that's what I'm about to talk about. It now I includes... Guess it, I guess it has one last chance to hook me. Yeah, there you go. It now includes gardening. And to be honest, I don't think it alone is enough, but gardening actually... it It's interesting. I mean, first of all... like the missing mechanic that Animal Crossing it's, always it's, needed? It's in the right direction, I think. I mean, first of all, it's worth noting that uh, Lloyd the Gyroid... Uh-huh. His name rhymes. I never... When I read it, you know, when I read it while playing, I never think he's Lloyd the Gyroid, but... He's Lloyd the Gyroid. Oh, okay. Anyway, he, yeah, I'm really a five-year-old. Uh, he runs your garden, which lives to the left of your campsite, and he wears a great little stylish gardening outfit now. So that, that's nice. But no, really, the, the thing of note is um, it is ultimately just another thing to manage, but it actually addresses a few concerns I at least had about Animal Crossing that we talked about last episode. So first up is just the variety of things to do. Uh, we were saying last episode that, you know, Pocket Camp, it's so streamlined, it ultimately like there's not as much freedom because you can't choose how you all play everything's geared towards just getting more campers to your site which you do by filling that friend level meter 
and to that end that means all the fruit is the same in every town all the fish are the same all the bugs are the same all the villagers are the same and you know the villagers when they roll out updates bi-weekly with the seven new villagers it's always the same seven like all that feels very like cookie cutter but with flowers while you do receive seeds and there's like four different types and whatnot you've uh that could you could very well have the same seeds as someone else but you're not actually guaranteed to end up with the same flowers as other people because there's a second level here of cross-pollination to get rare flowers. So basically when a flower is fully grown, you either harvest it, which you then can turn it into material to craft special items or clothing that are all floral print, like there's a whole new set of items to go with it, or you do this cross-pollination thing. And if you choose that latter option, you get to go create rare flowers, which get you more stuff, obviously. But in a move that addresses my other concern, which is there's nothing to do in the multiplayer aspect. Like you go to a person's camp, you look at it, you give them kudos, then what? Maybe you use their market box. Maybe not. Everyone essentially has the same items. So that was kind of pointless. But the flower thing, you go, you go to their campsite, their garden is there. You can water their flowers or you can cross-pollinate with their flowers and depend on, or collect the seeds and bring them back to your campsite. So depending on what you're looking for, what type of flower you're trying to get, there's actually like variety and reason to go to people's campsites now and variety in what you do with the flowers because different people have different flowers. So it's a minor mechanic. Like ultimately it falls under the same patterns as the rest of Pocket Camp. You want to grow them to trade them for special items and clothing. You, um, you know, you can speed it up with leaf tickets if you don't want to wait too long or if you want to treat it like a real Animal Crossing game, you just let the timer run out on its own, which for some flowers, it takes a while, but I have no problem with that. that it's always taking a while, flowers in Animal Crossing. But you don't necessarily have everything you need at your fingertips, like with everything else in Animal Crossing, Pocket Camp, or Tier. Like, here it is for you at this very moment, or guess what? It's behind a time-based paywall, so sit tight for an hour. Like, this one's actually like a third branch of it, which feels like classic Animal Crossing. So that, to me, is kind of cool. And that gives me hope for, for uh, Pocket Camp's future, because, like I was saying last episode, I kind of expected the game to sort of expand outward into more traditional Animal Crossing style elements. And literally the day after that episode went up when I said that, they went live with gardening and kind of confirmed that belief. That looks like they are sort of, like it's like a rings around a tree and they're getting wider, you know, bringing in more classic Animal Crossing stuff as they go. So that to me is a positive sign. It didn't, it, it alone is not going to hook me, but they're also bringing like clothing crafting early next year. There's going to be other stuff beyond that. So while I don't think just clothing and just flowers will be enough to get you to not delete the game, for example. I do think that they are a sign that we're going to have an arms situation where maybe six months from now we're going to look back and you know, be like, oh, well, now it feels like a complete package. Now it doesn't feel like I'm just running through the, you know, the checklist of meters to fill and whatnot. So, so that was kind of a pleasant surprise. I didn't really, I thought gardening, they could have gone the easy way out and just be like, your flowers are done. Make a craft with them. Yay. But there's a bit more to it, which is kind of nice. The other new mobile thing I've been playing... And deleted. Did you? Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess go. I didn't sell you on it. But like I said, check no, back in... you... Check back in six months, though. You pretty much told me to delete it now. Check back in six months. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I'm, I'm never again to be downloading something. I redownloaded Super Mario Run when they came out with that... Remix 10. Remix 10, and yeah. then that got old, and then yep. I went back to the trash bin. Yes, there you go. It's not a trash bin. It's just back into the cloud. Back into cyberspace or whatever. Exactly. But yeah, the other new mobile thing I've been playing is uh, Pokemon Go's new AR Plus mode, which right now is iOS exclusive because it uses Apple's new uh, AR Kit dev tools. So basically, how it works is if you're running an iPhone, I think 6S, maybe. Is that something you can switch on and off? 
Yes, like normal. Well, it's either it's the new version of the camera mode. So either you have AR plus on or you have the no camera where it's just like the backdrop. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it, you have to have an iOS I want or iOS 11 on an iPhone 6 or S or higher, I think. And what it does is your Pokemon will now stay put in the real world. So the AR tech maps the ground by having you kind of move your phone around for a second or two and then plops the Pokemon down off that surface and will keep it to scale as you move around. And because it's now location aware, that means the Pokemon is also aware of your placement in relation to it. So you can scoot up to it, you can go to the side of it, you can move further back. It all scales dynamically, which on the one hand makes for kind of neat photo ops uh, should you choose to do that with Does the Pokemon. It sounds like it could potentially be annoying for photo ops if they're not in the right spot. It, or you're trying to get them to be in the right spot versus in the path where you could literally just move the phone wherever you want But it. But you can do new stuff because they're dynamically scaling. And even make on... it look like giant Pokemon when they're not. Yes, but now you actually have giant Pokemon that are giant. So it's a, it's a little more accurate. But I think I think it's cool because if you combine it with the real-world weather effects they're now doing. So, like, if it's raining outside, it's raining on the game. So there's rain and rain and the Pokemon that's You're actually hopefully playing indoors. Uh, yeah, or you don't mind your phone getting waterlogged. But, whatever. like, it just feels a little more real, and it creates some cool opportunities. Because, I mean, yeah, you're right. You could, at times, sort of dupe Pokemon Go to make your Pokemon look really big, but you also couldn't really go the other way. So if you held your hand in front of your phone, and you're like, I want to hold a Pikachu, or that's too big. I want to hold a Torchic. Um, the Torchic would just like be bigger than your hand or whatever but now because Torchics are really tiny in the properly scaled version they actually will fit in the palm of your hand and you can like put it in front and everything so it's it's different photo ops I don't know who's putting Torchics in their hand but the option's there for you but uh, so far I, everything I've said is bird in the hand two in the bush yes because that brings up the next point thank you that was beautiful transition because everything I've talked about is, tra- is cosmetic but the other thing that changes the gameplay which now introduces tall grass or bushes. So yes, you got bird in the hand, but this new AR mode also gives you two in the bush or one in the bush. Yeah. But yeah, so how it works is um, if you leave it off, Pokemon goes exactly the same. But if you turn it on, when you go catch a Pokemon, you no longer just see the Pokemon. You first see, like it senses, I think this is basically the calibration mode kind of in disguise, but it has all these little tall grass patches pop up, these little like shrubs, and you press it and then a Pokemon jumps out from there. And when it jumps out, it has a new thing called an awareness meter. And basically how it works is as you move around the Pokemon, it's aware of your presence in relation to itself. And as this tiny little meter that indicates if you're going to be startling it by getting too close or if, you know, it maybe its guard is down and you're really far away. And if you do startle it by getting too close, it will actually run away. But running away is now different too in that instead of just that's it, you can't catch it anymore, it goes back into the bushes. And you get multiple go-rounds of trying to catch this thing. So it actually prolongs how many times you can try and catch it versus mm. in old Pokemon Go where it's just Make like, Make nope. you waste more balls so you can buy more balls. Bingo. Well, you don't waste it because it will run away before you can even throw it. Like, the awareness meter is toy stuff from catching it. I could be, you could be my Pokemon. Waste your time. You could be, exactly. You could be my Pokemon standing in front of me, right? Like, I have my phone up to your face right now. And you can see me and then be like, nope, and just disappear. And I didn't throw a ball or anything, but just my camera facing the Pokemon, the AR Pokemon, is enough to make it notice you. But the thing is, if you do it well, it, it doesn't notice you. Like, there's this new thing they call expert handler bonus, where if you can creep up on the Pokemon, um, it will actually give you a bonus of Stardust and boost your XP when you catch it, which is kind of neat. And the, the interesting thing is it kind of kind of changes the rhythm of the game, because now things move a little s- slower. Like, you spend more time on each individual Pokemon you try to catch. Because what, what I found is if you immediately, you know, if it pops up and you immediately, like, I'm going to catch it, and you throw a Pokeball... Its awareness is already really high because it just came out of the bushes and sees there's a thing there. 
But if you actually turn your phone away from the Pokemon slightly, because again, it, it stays stationary. It's aware of your phone direction. Turn it away, slowly move it back, maybe very slowly walk up towards it. You can actually sneak, like legitimately sneak up on a Pokemon, which I imagine is how it would be if it was real world with real Pokemon. So that's kind of a cool thing, but again, it does really slow down the experience of trying to catch Pokemon, change that rhythm. And if you're in public, you do look a little silly, uh, more than a little silly, basically tiptoeing up to nothing in front of you with your phone in front of your face. So yeah, it, it's really neat if you go ahead and, you know, want to spend the time and you have zero shame. Like it's a really, really neat little feature. I found myself. For you. No, I actually found myself juggling about 50-50 between having AR on and off. Like, if I'm out with other people catching oh, and stuff... Oh, that's about between having time and shame. Oh. No, that is me. I I do have time and I don't have shame. But, uh... Yeah, no, it's... it's. I found myself kind of doing a half and half. Like, if I'm with a group of people, I'll turn off AR because it's just still faster just catch it normally. But if I'm just whatever on my own, I'll... I'll go ahead and be that nerd that tiptoes up to an imaginary thing on the ground. Sure. And what what's actually kind of surprising is between the snazzy new AR... And the fact that they just rolled out 20 Ice and Water third uh, Gen 3 Pokemon for the holidays, I've actually found myself going back to Go a lot more than I expected. Like, I thought AR Plus, I'd try once or twice, and that'd be it. Between that and the new Pokemon and the weather effects and the yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm actually kind of playing this again. Not as much as at my peak, but, like, I'm checking it probably about once a day or once every two days, which is more than I have been. So they win yet again. Niantic wins yet again. But, well, yeah, you. it's with yeah. me. And, well, and actually anecdotally as at work where a couple people play i've talked about it on the show before but we we get a, a google hangout like hey we're doing a raid for a, a groudon from you know ruby oh, and we walk we're like okay fine they added a gym actually that's reachable from our office window we don't have to leave the building and we go to the corner and there are six people there i'm like when did all these people start playing pokemon again like in our office and let alone the six or seven probably below so just like yeah it's kind of surprising and the first crowd on raid uh that i did there were like 19 people there so it is there's still a community and apple's pushing this really hard because it's probably the best showcase of their ar kit tech yet well they make it a gen 4 that's probably when i'll at least try it again yeah when they do gen 4 i'm totally getting a badoof and then just quitting no i I do want a badoof though but yeah we'll see i I imagine gen 4 would be (laughs) just catch just max out your entire like pokemon bank with just badoofs oh i'll do it I'll just catch every Bidoof. Yeah. They now let you Make store up. They'll catch now let every you, Bidoof. They'll now let you store up to 1,500. I'm catching all the Bidoofs. They now let you Bidoof. store up to 1,500 Pokemon. Imagine if 1,500 Pokemon on my phone were Bidoofs. Wouldn't wow. that be the best? I'm, I dedicate my life to my craft, and my craft is Bidoof catching. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I'm actually kind of surprised by how much I'm liking the AR Plus thing. It's, it's really neat technology. Like, it really does. Like, as you creep up on the Pokemon, so you're like, wow, this is very realistic. But... But yeah, so all that from your uh, Switch eShop games to my mobile games, that's what's going on right now here at the tail end of 2017. But I feel it's kind of worth reflecting on what a comeback year it's been for Nintendo in general. Like, this was really... 2017 was like the Nintendo renaissance. And as people that cover it, I can't speak for you, but for myself at least, I found it'd be really fun to have Nintendo like back on top. Like, it's a little chaotic. We've had a lot more topics yet to cram into a show. We've, you know, there's been a lot more just going on, but it's, it's, it's fun. I mean... For the most part, it feels the same. The only real difference is that people that normally don't talk to me about Nintendo whatsoever all of a sudden are either... Super into it. Are they, yeah, like they're either playing their Switch that they just got or just more aware about Nintendo in general and just talk to me about it like time to time. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah. Crazy. I never would have paid you for someone that right? game. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been doing this podcast since 2011. So that means we were basically from the dying breath of the Wii up through all of the Wii U and now Switch. And I don't think there's ever been so many things like happening in and around the world of Nintendo in any of our six years of podcasting, the as there is Nintendo, this year. NES Classic. I mean, yeah. just between both of those, you're definitely going to catch a grand majority of the people, even that stop playing. Plus, games all now. the merchandising they're now doing—it's yeah. like, a lot. And I think the big... a little too much. But... No such thing. <laughs> I think the biggest success of the year, though, is of course the Switch itself, right? Like, it might just be honestly the most successful Nintendo console launch ever, if not one of the greatest launches. Period. I mean, from a pure numbers perspective. It's certainly one of Nintendo's strongest, hands down. I mean, in the nine months it's been out, Nintendo has now confirmed they sold over 10 million units. That's what Nintendo originally planned to ship by the end of the fiscal year, so by end of March, and they hit it in mid-December. So to, to kind of put that in perspective for you, so that's on pace with what PS4 did in its first nine months. But PS4's first nine months, that's actually identical to what it did. But PS4 had an entire holiday season in those first nine months. Nintendo, halfway through the holiday season, went, we're already there. So they're sort of outpacing PS4. Compared to Xbox One, Xbox One took 10 and a half months to move 7 million. So it's ahead of Xbox One. From a Nintendo historical perspective, 10 million in nine months easily, I don't even have to say this, outperformed the Wii U, which sold, uh, 3.91 million in 10 and a half months. And it outperformed- Didn't it sell like 10 million total? What? The Wii U? 13 million. 13, oh wow, basically there. Yeah, we're basically there. We're gonna be there by the end of the fiscal year. We're gonna exceed it by the end of the fiscal year. Uh, the Wii, I think if the trend is continuing at its current rate, it will outpace Wii, but I think it's about neck and neck right now. But it is outpacing the original Nintendo DS, which in its first year oh, wow. was only 8.3 million in Wait, two, wasn't in it ten and a half DS months. Light that things really yes, that's up, the though, stipulation right? I was about to say. Is DS, though, while it sounds impressive, it, I think 3DS would be a more accurate comparison because 3DS didn't have like the real like wind in its sail like the DS did. And I went from like this thing is way too expensive to, to oh it's reusable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but. but um, <laughs> Yeah, it's still though. DS did 8.83 million, 10 and a half, and switches ahead of that. So, the system's doing well for itself. Like, to be clear, this is a, this is not just something in America. This is not just a trend. This is a worldwide trend. Like, everywhere where Nintendo has products, it's doing better than Nintendo's typical product. Like, South Korea, for example. It, did you know? I can't believe this. The Switch only just launched in South Korea this month. That surprises me, because they've had Nintendo systems for a while, so to sit back for so long. But anyway, in its first three days of sales, 55,000 units, which doesn't sound like a lot to us Americans, but is significant over there, apparently. Significant enough over there to beat not just the first week sales of the launches of the DS, 3DS, and Wii, but the entire first month sales of all three of those in three days. Wow. So yeah, so Switch is moving gangbusters. And what I find particularly crazy about this is what it's doing for the games. Like, Reggie did this interview with Variety where he was discussing the 10 million milestone, and he mentioned that there are three games that are owned by half of all Switch owners. Two we already knew. Zelda and Mario Kart, their attach rates are somewhere like 70%. That's pretty up there. But the third one is Super Mario Odyssey, which already has over that 50% milestone of people that bought the game in less than eight weeks. So in less than eight weeks, five million Switch owners are like, oh, I want Mario. Over five million, I should say. Mm-hmm. And to give you an idea of how big that is, in Japan... Mario Odyssey is already the all-time best-selling 3D Mario game in eight weeks. All-time in eight weeks. That's so like that's just nuts to me. So yeah, Nintendo's doing quite well here in the U.S. Mario Odyssey is also doing well, like specifically in the U.S. specifically in the U.S., but maybe not, maybe not quite as like mind-blowing as in Japan. I mean, if you look at like the NPD chart for November, which came out, um, it's number six overall on the chart. 
which you could say isn't all that high, but if you factor in the fact that the eShop is one of the only digital platforms not tracked by NPD whatsoever, and stat leaks suggest that uh, perhaps upwards of 50% of Mario Odyssey's US sales were through the eShop, you kind of realize that being number six off just half of its sales is pretty impressive in its own right. And then if you look at the uh, chart of strictly physical game sales, not digital that are added in for like PSN and Xbox, Mario Odyssey is actually number two, only behind Call of Duty World War II, which interestingly enough, Call of Duty WW2 was the best-selling Call of Duty game since Black Ops 2 in 2012. So that that's some stiff competition is my point. And and don't even, for, don't even like forget that when Mario Odyssey came out in October, off two days of sales, it was number one in the country in October. So Mario's pertinent, putting in work is what I'm saying. Like Mario's doing fine. Nintendo's doing fine with Mario. And and all these big numbers are just the Switch side of things. The 3DS, Nintendo's also had a pretty good year with the 3DS, better than I think any of us anticipated or really talk about because we rarely talk about the 3DS anymore. I don't think anyone talks about the I 3DS. I didn't buy a new game. You didn't buy apparently... a single new game for the 3DS. And yet, Reggie told Forbes that the 3DS is actually on sale to have or on sale, on track to have higher U.S. sales in 2017 than in 2016. Weird. I think it's because of the super cheap price of the uh, 2DS and then the new 2DS XL. Those two together, plus the old library. Ever Oasis? Single-handedly, Ever Oasis has saved the 3DS, you guys. It it was it was the Jesus of the handheld. No, it, um, yeah, no, not Ever Oasis. But I think it's just the old games, plus, you know, the continuing sales of those evergreen titles and whatnot. But there's, of course, new releases that help, too. I mean, Ultra Sun and Moon came out in November. Those games landed at number 10 and number 11 on the sales chart for November overall, which were not as high as the original Sun and Moon, which were, like, you know, in the single-digit numbers. Uh, it's not all that low, given that there are updates to a set of games that were consistently selling on 3DS up through their release. I mean, literally on the same chart that Ultra Sun and Moon are 1 and 2, number 10 on the 3DS-specific sales chart, Pokemon Sun. Like who's the, who are the people buying Sun when they can just buy Ultra Sun? Like somehow it's still charting with Ultra Sun. It's, like, it's nah, weird. Ultra's a little too much for it's me. It's I oh I just saw it's just super. Can I just do like or like Splendid Sun? Like something less? Or maybe but, they wanted to. Maybe they think it's like a part one, part two kind of deal, and want to. I don't know. But they don't miss out on anything. I I have no idea, but I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, and the other thing you consider is game industry as a whole is up thirty percent year over year. So number ten, number eleven on a chart where things are up 30%, those are still pretty high, raw, like, sales numbers. So the games are doing well. I mean, in Japan, they're matching almost exactly with what Black and White 2 sold. So I think it's in line with what Nintendo expected, and it's certainly helping with those, you know, boost the 2DS sales up to their high number, whatever that number is. Point is, the point is, from a sales perspective, with or without November MPD, with just Switch, with 3DS, Nintendo, Nintendo had a good year. But in many ways, I feel like the numbers I say so much because what really made me realize that 2017 was the year of Nintendo was just seeing them pop up everywhere. Not just in conversations like you had, but like with your friends, but like all the big retailers' holiday ads probably have switched one way or another. The Super Nintendo Classic, like the hype was so mainstream for that. I mean, Forever 21 made a line of clothing based off. I'm literally wearing the Mario Kart sweatshirt right now. Like they, Forever 21, like, Fashion forward tween girl brand that somehow makes male sweatshirts I'm currently wearing. I swear, I swear this is a guy's sweatshirt. Um, yeah. It's not unisex? No, I th- it might be. I think it's actually for, I don't know. It might be unisex. Either way. Well, it's I mean, a no sweatshirt. reason yeah. a woman can't wear it. Well, I'm going to take it off now. No, but, um, 
Yeah, they were even making stuff. That's how big this was. And then, like, if you look on, like, an app store on your phone, Pokemon Go, Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Mario, they were almost always there with a regular presence in one form or another. And then, like, you know, it just goes from there. For example, Google. Top consumer tech terms that were searched for in twenty eight in 2017, iPhone 10, iPhone 8, Nintendo Switch. Third on the list. Ahead of Samsung Galaxy S8. Ahead of Xbox. Ahead of Play- PlayStation wasn't even on the list. Like, it's kind of insane. And that doesn't even, that doesn't even account for, you know, all the merchandising we've been seeing. Mario toys at McDonald's, apparel at Uniqlo, row after row after row. Bowser Stein. Uh, yeah, what? I got a Bowser Stein yesterday as a gift. Pretty awesome. Wait, I'm, I'm standing up for... It's right under the TV. It's just a Bowser Stein. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Don't mind me as I scoop back into my microphone. Anyway. There you go. Thank you. But yeah, like, it's just row after row of licensed merchandise. And Nintendo is literally everywhere. And even in just past, like, even in just these past few weeks, they're going on, they're popping up in all sorts of new places. I mean, they're on iTunes now, Nintendo. That's a thing that's happening. After the success of Mario Odyssey's Jump Up Superstar, where it actually peaked at, like, number 41 on the top 100 overall chart, which is, again, crazy, um, they just are now open to the idea of putting game soundtracks on iTunes. So they just open to the idea. Well, they're open to the, selling. They're open to they're having open a to presence. They're open to testing the waters, I guess. Yeah, so let me word that differently. They're open to the having a presence on a music store, which they didn't do before because they put out here in the West. I mean, I guess in the past they have CDs, track. right? Like Nintendo. To but they only anything? sold them through Nintendo Power catalog. Mm. They never were, they never had like mass market like yeah, an yeah. iTunes thing is. But here in the West. 12-track, quote-unquote, sound selection is now available for Mario Odyssey. It's 8 bucks. In reality, it's 8 tracks because there's 4 versions of Jump Up Superstar. Yeah. English, Japanese, and karaoke of both. And then there's like 2 versions of Breakaway. Yeah, but you still, but... like, you still got all the critical stuff. Like, you got the New Donk City background music, and you got the yeah. Cascade Fall. Yeah, exactly. So, but but then to your point, because like, it seems like they're testing wires. Yeah. So, what's going on with the Japan one, the Japanese well, one? Because that sounds legit. I mean, they this. get everything like they do with every soundtrack. I mean, they always get the Splatoon soundtrack. They always get everything with all 100 plus tracks, like every single track, even like menu music or transition music. Like they get everything, which is what we get whenever Game Freak releases the Pokemon soundtrack. We get every single sound effect noise. We get everything. Like I don't see why we can't just get it it must i mean it can't cost much for nintendo to just release these sound files that already exist somewhere it literally costs nothing except for someone to spend maybe half a day curating them into a I album mean, with pro- proper tagging and i mean i have no problem like rebuying soundtracks i did that for um what game was it i think i had the monster hunter soundtrack i i just found a, a download of it because i really liked the soundtrack and then i then eventually capcom released it properly on itunes and i bought it i mean if they release it i'll support it I don't mind re-downloading it again. So, yeah, it's, come on. It's, like, it's I, weird. Don't make me have to just, like, go out Pirate. and find them. It's weird because, like, they did it correctly with Majora's Mask Collector's Edition. Didn't they put all the songs on that one? Majora's Mask? Yeah, that one did have it. Yeah. But that was, wasn't that, like, a My Nintendo Rewards thing? Mm, it was. Same thing with the... They were, that's right, that's right. Same thing with Ocarina of Time. But now they don't do physical rewards and anymore. And, and, so. they're, and they're not even digital. The soundtracks are already created. Yeah. The, yeah, the Smash Bros. one, that was also a selection of tracks. Nintendo loves the phrase... By, by the way, no one outside Ugh. Nintendo is like, hey, here's a song selection or a sound selection. That's a very Nintendo-y I'm thing. very disgruntled. I could tell. But at least, at least they're moving in the right direction. Like, the fact that they have a presence on iTunes now is kind of interesting. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, um, even Japan, even though they do release 
the soundtracks with everything, a lot of them aren't available digitally. Yeah, at least from physical, Nintendo. From like yeah, Tower Records. Yeah, they're specifically. Al- yeah, they're almost always just um physical. Capcom is the only one that kind of goes nuts and releases everything everywhere. Konami just did Super Bomberman. Super Bomberman R's soundtrack Perfect. is available on the Japanese iTunes store now. As yeah, of today, yeah, exactly, but just Japanese. Which is, I know. I'm just saying that it's not just. I know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Konami. Yeah. I don't even know what their deal is. No one does. I don't even think Konami knows. I think they come into work and go. I mean, Are we a video game company. I don't know. I mean, if they wanted to make more money, like the typically the Metal Gear sound the soundtracks are always really well received. Yeah. I mean, maybe they are up there. I don't know. I haven't looked for them. Yeah. So I guess it's just Nintendo, like you said, they're probably just testing the waters. But nonetheless, to see them on there is a step in the right direction, I think. And then in the physical retail world. Nintendo's expanding into new areas too. Most notably this week, we got Build-A-Bear Workshop of all places announcing that they now have a Mario collection with some pretty adorable plush bears that look like Mario, uh, Luigi and Peach. And then separately they have Toad and Yoshi and Bowser who are just full plushes of themselves. Well, what were you well Bowser is... Well, a, Bowser's a weird... No, no, Bowser and Yoshi are full-fledged, I guess, Toad build, is. Build-A-Bear buddies. They even have the little... Heart oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Toad is just a, he's like a big accessory. Yeah, but okay, so Toad's an accessory, right? Well, poor Toad, poor Toad. He's not even treated. Not he's to subhuman. Mention, well, he's not human. He's a on toad. top of that, he's Bowser's toad. the only one that actually gets his own sound bites. Mario doesn't get little wahoos and woos. Yeah, that's probably why Bowser's most expensive, right? Or is the sound bite separate? Because Bowser's thirty five bucks, which is like eight dollars more than the next most expensive. He's one. also a lot bigger. Ah, uh, um, that's what it is. And yeah, the sound bites are seven. Another separate bucks, which sucks because like I want to get it, but. Like uh, I don't know too many Bowser things. Like I wanted to get obviously that first four figures, like eight hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars Bowser statue. Had to really try not to get it, and I didn't. I don't even know where I would put it, but that was stuff. And now with this build, I, I do enjoy how you. I know, I know what you're getting at, but it's just like, man, so many Bowser things. There's an eight hundred dollar one and a thirty five dollar one, and I can't get either. It's like what's well, thirty five? Yeah, it's more like I shouldn't. No, I, I get it. you. Do have limited space. Well, plushies are easier to deal with because you could just put them on you the couch put them on yeah. the bed cram them against a wall yeah as you've done with Sonic and Mario over there which they're no one really, can see what I'm pointing to you know they're not really crammed they're, 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 they're just they're, they're just like sitting. riding a like poster board <laughs> yeah but they're they're nice you're right they're very nicely they're, they're prominent I didn't mean to insult your design aesthetic here <laughs> well, maybe, maybe one day I'll get the Bowser that, that's, if I were to get one of them it would be that one but I yeah. don't know when it'd be Probably they also have little the, definitely the, something next year in, in, in further adorableness you can also buy little clothes for your bear that looks like Mario and Luigi or Peach including a little Mario hoodie and a Princess Peach dress yeah the, the hoodie it's is, so, is, is the yeah. hoodie's weird because it's Mario wearing Mario I don't well you don't have to make it Mario wearing you can just have a regular bear wearing nope it. it's Mario wearing Mario in my world <laughs> like that hoodie like oh, I wonder if it would fit our dog Donatello you should just buy it and see cars return it and say it didn't fit my bear or and not tell on, him the bears. Or, or I guess we could put it on Sonic. He's, oh, yeah, he's, he's yeah. a Build-A-Bear Sonic. Oh, that's a Build-A-Bear Sonic? Yeah. He, he looks a little more like Sonic than some of the Build-A-Bear Pokemon look like Pokemon. <laughs> Build-A-Bear makes pretty good on um, plushies. And uh, to be fair, a lot of their Pokemon um, look really good. Like they, they, Eevee looks amazing. They have by far the best Eevee and the best Charmander plush that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, their Charmander is really The Charmander really good. Good. I remember I walked past the Build-A-Bear at a mall and I'm like, they just had the Charmander like, in the yeah. window and I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, like we've been to Japan and I did not see a Charmander that looked that good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we got our plushy game down or wherever Build-A-Bear is from. Well, you know what? It's not that we got the game down. It's Build-A-Bear lets you get the game down because you can build it yourself. It's that you extra get to stuff it. You get, yeah, that's building it. I mean, it starts as a deflated carcass and you put life in it. That's building Not if you buy it online, but yeah. Well, can't win everything. And you can pay that extra couple dollars to put a heart in it. 
That's just creepy, though. That's a thing, though. But yeah, I, I believe it. An actual heart. You know, one random thing I noticed with the Build a Bear promotion. Another birth certificate, like Sonic. They have a birth certificate. Yeah, the Sonic comes with a birth certificate. So you literally are taking a dead carcass and giving it life, and then it's birth to you. Well, that's how, that's where bears come from. Yeah, I know. Like that's every time I go to a national park and there's a bear there, I assume where, someone built it. That's in where teddy bears come from. Yeah, at least. But one random thing I did notice about the Build-A-Bear promotion, though, and actually all other Mario art items that Nintendo's now rolled out, is there seems to finally be, this is a very minor thing, but I think it's significant, um, unified branding for Mario merchandise. I mean, it, it's it's a small thing in the real world. It's just that everything Mario-related now has the same horizontal Super Mario logo on it, and it all comes in the same shade of red packaging or has the same like red coloring for its promotional material. Like, it's, it's, it's unified. Like, it's different. In the past, Nintendo previously had companies just use, like, a variant of the Mario 64 logo without the 64 on it. And then the companies, the producers, whoever's making whatever it was, could do whatever they want with the packaging beyond that. But now, it actually feels like we have this unified thing that signifies, like, the full commercialization of Mario goods, Mario wares, Mario merchandise. It's, I think we're, we're going into, like, peak licensed material here since probably late 80s, early 90s for Nintendo. Like, I don't think there's this much happening with Nintendo at once as you know except for like the heyday of the NES but this yeah this this unified logo seems to signify me that we're entering that phase and it sucks for collectors because now I just need to buy oh so much more merchandise but it's cool because it's leading to some weird different Mario stuff like remember when Yogurt Land had Mario promotion with like yeah. Yoshi flavors like that's kind of fun or more you notably know, to, yeah when we were at the mall like last week like, there was Game Boy bottle openers bottle yeah. type openers and then there's like Game Boy like piggy banks or money tins as they yeah. were called at Barnes and Noble, which by the way, Barnes and Noble, you're a bookstore, why is half your store games? But anyway, the thing I'm saying is like there's <laughs> weird, crazy Mario items now, like for example, Kellogg's Mario cereal, Super Mario cereal. Uh, so like we never thought we'd see these things before, but now we're starting to see them. Although actually, I take that back. We haven't seen. C them. C is not the best word to use here because neither of us have actually seen the Mario we've cereal anywhere. We've seen listings, we've seen websites referencing it, we've seen photos of other people having it, but it seems like there is a very short supply around the whole country of Super Mario cereal. Our plan originally, as we teased last episode, was we were gonna do an on air taste test this episode, but the problem is Nintendo looked at twenty seventeen and you know, they're like, oh, we had the Switch, we had the Super Nintendo Classic, we had the Amiibo, and then they decide, you know what, we need to squeeze in one more impossible find item before the year ends. And that item is a marshmallow cereal that doubles as a scannable Amiibo. So, by the way, actually, that cereal has the same new Super Mario branding as all the merchandise I saw. Hmm. See, it's a, it's a thing now. But I, But seriously, between you and me, I think we hit up like 20 stores. No luck. Like, together, the two of us went to yeah. a Target, a Walmart, and Albertsons. And then separately after that, I went to two Ralphs, a CVS, two Vons, a Johns, which is basically like Vons, but LA only and with a J, a uh, Target, a Walmart neighborhood market, and then back to the Ralphs I went to two times prior. This is over two different days, like over two hours of searching. Nothing. Not a not a single hint. I mean, what about – you didn't have any The closest luck. I came to was that someone said that someone came in this morning and bought them all. Yeah, it's it. and then you went to like what, like four or five stores? Yeah, I think it you were was saying? four or five stores within an hour because they were they were all pretty close to each other. But yeah, it's all kind of absurd because like, literally Jason Tim like there's four. Oh, located. dude, you know like okay, so you know in a movie where there's the covert op situation where there's this, the main hero is like has the earpiece or whatever and is getting intel fed to him by someone behind a computer in some safe location way far away. That's literally what we were doing. 
because you were at Walmart. I was at work just on my office computer. Like I had Brick Seek up with the inventory numbers. And I was like, okay. <laughs> the inventory just went down from four to three. Yeah, I literally was like, the inventory just dropped from four to three. I repeat, the inventory dropped from four to three. <laughs> they literally are selling right now. They're selling right now in the store. You need to find the man with the boxes but uh, and take him out. But yeah, it's it's all just kind of absurd because again, this is at the end of the day a boring cereal that contains some marshmallows that it's ever so slightly. Lucky we probably won't even know the difference. Between yeah, that like lucky and the marshmallows kind of look like Mario power ups, and that's kind of it. But I think what's going on here with us trying to hunt it down and with other people trying to hunt it down and no one having it is Nintendo successfully conditioned us. Nintendo is Pavlov, and we are his, we are his dogs because basically we got duped into the mindset that when Nintendo has something new come out, you go and race out and get things before they're gone like you you just go you go get it right away so you have to get day one because it's the only way you're going to get your smash bros amiibo or your nes classic or whatever it may be the problem is all supermarkets are not the day one type of place that we're used to because we're talking about consumable consumable media here you know games or music or movies or whatever Supermarkets are food and groceries, and food and groceries don't have street dates because no one cares if the banana shows up on a Thursday or a Saturday. Like, no one camps out overnight to go get new Chewy bars. So it's Nintendo's mindset that they put us in, sort of grafting us on top of a existing supply chain that literally does not care about release dates, which is fine because they shouldn't. But then you have all these nerds like us and some of our listeners, I'm sure – who are like, oh man, day one, and they're racing off to find the Mario Sierra that isn't there because maybe the 11th, the launch date was only when it was going to distributors. I actually read somewhere that Walmart only started shipping them out specifically on the 20th to individual stores. So so that might be what's going on. Like I bet you next episode or a month from now, there's going to be like an overabundance of these Mario Sierras. And the fact that we wasted between the two of us three and a half hours total to find this thing that a month later is totally there, a little silly. But I think, it, you know, I think it's this whole early serial doctor thing we tried to be. The majority of the Amiibo. Yeah. Although we some, didn't know that at the time. Some of them were still founded, the the trauma. I mean, like, We Fit Trainer never saw a restock of that one, ever. I got one. Yeah. Well, so you, actually. Well, yeah. yeah. I found one on the floor. It was weird. It was just, like, on the floor of Best Buy. Villager had one restock, and that was yeah. it. Fire Emblem characters, even though we thought they'd be more available, still kind of there and not there. Yeah, I mean, they come in waves. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, this this whole approach that all the Nintendo fans are taking with, like, oh, we gotta be the early serial adopters and go get it right away, that's not a thing, because that's not how supermarkets work. So, that's the world we live in, where, you know, you go out to an employee, hey, do you have Super Mario Serial? And they look at you like you're yeah, a madman. It almost felt like a game release. To the, Which, well, yeah. well, yeah, to us it is, yeah. but to... Joe, you know, average Joe at, uh, Joe. at Vaughn. Yeah, average Joe at Trader Joe. Well, I don't think they. No, they would. John at John's. There we go. Or Vaughn at Vaughn's. If you go up to Vaughn at Vaughn's. You're Vince like, Vaughn? Yeah, if you go up to Vince Vaughn at Vaughn's, you're like, hey, do you have Mario cereal? He's going to be like, I, do you want the post box with the Mario contest on it? We got that. Or just Lucky Charms? Like, it doesn't matter to them. If you go to Best Buy, you can be like, do you have Mario Odyssey? And they're like, no, but we sure do have uh, Croc. It's like, what? <laughs> we don't want Croc. I don't even think Croc's a thing anymore. I don't know why I reference Croc. There's Crocs. That's true. Yeah, they give you shoes when you want Mario. But cereal yeah. woes aside, um, I think the the one last thing we haven't talked about with Nintendo's good year is what makes a gaming company a gaming company, which is the games. So, Really? Yeah, who would have thought? But that's the one topic we haven't touched on. So back before Switch came out, I was saying that Nintendo should basically do like one a month 
a game a month. Like, keep a steady stream of content, no gaps. And much to my surprise, not only did they do that, they pulled it off without a single release date change or delay. You could argue they cut corners with ARMS limited content at launch. Like, that was a way to make sure it didn't have to get delayed. Like, I get that. But they didn't delay it. Breath of the Wild was supposed to come out, like, the year prior? Uh, supposedly. It's supposed to be, it's suppo- no, supposedly it was the delay of the Switch, not the other way around. They needed to finish Breath of the Wild, so they delayed the Switch to wait for it. Because they didn't want to launch the Switch with no games in November. Oh, no, no, I'm just saying that, yeah. Yeah. But, oh, Zelda- yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah, because, so, yeah, Zelda was Yeah, because that, that game, the date changed at least three times. No game dated in 2017... Change from change from 2017. Yeah, by Nintendo. By Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the Game Awards two years ago? Yes. Yes. You're absolutely right. Mario will be out before Zelda, or what? No, Zelda will be Breath out before. No, Star Fox will be out before Zelda. That's what it was, yeah. or after Zelda, but it was before. Yeah. But either way, it's it's pretty impressive that like that mm-hmm. didn't happen this year. Minus Zelda a year ago, nothing this year actually moved, which is a, kind of a big deal because Nintendo always delays stuff. And not only that, but all the games that came out were good. Like they didn't really feel like. There's a, it didn't really feel like there's any shovelware or like problematic games. I mean, okay, maybe one to switch just to a lack of content though, not to like the game itself. But each game Nintendo brought to the table yeah, this I mean, year was different, fair, unique, like, interesting. Some games in one to switch are actually really fun. Yeah, it's just my point of it is just that it's not worth the price. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's all. That, it is. That's literally it. Right, but that's literally like, price it right and that's it. Which is kind of the polar opposite of what like shovelware tends to be. So like they actually like put out all quality content like the content itself is good it's just what's, yeah, the price what's there is yeah yeah because yeah, like think about it, in the past nine months we got a zelda snipper clips mario kart arms platoon fire emblem pokin mario Odyssey, xenoblade on one system in nine months that's a pretty solid lineup of games for nintendo and a lot of those are not even like, a lot of those are not even the main entries in the series, but it's still, like, quality content. Like, Pokemon's not a real Pokemon. Snipperclips is something entirely new. Fire Emblem Warriors is a spinoff. But still, to be able to rattle off that many games and have them all be at least good, and in some cases great, in some cases excellent, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and on top of all that, uh, somewhat unexpectedly, we also had indies and third parties really embrace Switch a lot faster than I think a lot of folks, certainly myself, maybe you, expected. Like, you know, I mentioned earlier Switch has 380 games available. 380 games in nine months. Just like think about how insane that is. Wii U. I went and counted one by one a year of Wii U games, the first year. In those 12 months, Wii U had 121 games. In nine months. So in a quarter less. That's the right math, right? A third less, a quarter less. Uh, 380 games. That's kind of insane, right? And much like Nintendo's own first party lineup, a lot of the third party games are also really quality titles. I mean, you, a lot of buds were the really good games. You had indies like Stardew Valley and Golf Story. You had major releases of big name games like Rocket League and Doom. Like, it's just a really, really good year to be a Nintendo fan, like, all around. It's very nice. But of course, as we transition into our final game of the year discussion here, there can only be one game per system that really captivated us as an absolute favorite. Uh, normally we break down the systems. So just for sake of getting out of the way, I guess we should do 3DS first. But yeah. you didn't buy anything. I still have a game of the year, though. Do you? Would you like to? What's your What's your game of the year that isn't actually from this year, but you played this year, so it counts in this situ in this weird situation? Well, yeah, because it made it made the 3DS still have a purpose for me. Which, this, what was that game? This, this, this game made it so I didn't have to feel like you know what this is just another piece of plastic. It still felt like something I want to go back to, which was Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix. I replayed that game. I erased my file again and restarted playing it, and it was still 
just as fun as the first time I played it. Replaying through all the challenges were still really fun. The story always drags, but once you get past that, everything was just always. I still blast. find it funny they put story in that game. Yeah, it, it did not need a story. No. It, it just dragged out. Yeah, everything else, but yeah, it was just. I don't know, I just love that game so much. It's simple. You could play it while asleep. You could play it while awake. You could play it looking at the screen, not looking at the screen. It's it's perfect. Wait, 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 wait. You could play it while asleep? Well, while falling asleep, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you just hit the rhythm, yeah. Yeah. Um, if this isn't a desperate plea to Nintendo to make a Switch version, I don't know what is, but I agree that's a very yeah, good Yeah, I mean, I, I played, like, I think I bought on Donkey Kong Country 2 this year. I was playing also through it again. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Like, I bought that this year, and it's still fun, but the game, yeah, that I just kept coming back to is always Rhythm Heaven. Yeah. No, Rhythm Heaven's great. I, I really wish it got more attention in the West than it did. I feel like there's, like, a very small cult following, and that's it. And Nintendo keeps trying to break out of it, and then eventually with Mega Mix, they resigned to the fact that, well, at least we can appeal to these guys and made an eShop release. It's kind of like what's happening with Style Savvy, like, on Christmas Day. So the day after, day after this episode goes up, there's yeah. a new Style Savvy coming after up. After we thought that Francis is dead here. What? Didn't we think that Francis yeah, was dead Yeah, we did. We yeah. did. Yeah, I thought you said friendship was dead. I'm like, what? What are you telling me? <laughs> but yeah, no, it, uh, exactly. It's, well, they're, they're finding ways. They're fine. What? <laughs> anyway, so for me, uh, for 3DS, I only bought three games. Or at least I think it was three. <laughs> uh, Fire Emblem Fates, Kirby Blowout Blast, and Metroid Samus Returns, I think were the only three I got. It's pretty easy to tell which one it is just based on the type of game it is. Oh? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought you were saying you could tell which one I'm going to pick. Um, the thing is, like, all three are strong games. Kirby's Blowout Blast is still, like, a really pleasant surprise. I didn't expect it to be as awesome as it was. Like, it's a great sto- score attack game. But I, I feel like I gotta give it to Metroid. Like, Sans Returns was... It was good. Like, don't get me wrong. Fire Emblem Fates, really great game, too. It's streamlined Fire Emblem in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm sure. But I feel yeah, like... third-person dungeons were actually really cool to have in a Fire Emblem, especially because Nintendo's been pumping out Fire Emblem so much that it was starting to feel a little too familiar. So for Nintendo to kind of be like, here's a slightly different one. That was cool. But Metroid... Metroid stands out because I think it successfully pulled off that rare feat of, in my mind, successfully changing a type of gameplay that many already considered pretty much perfect without actually like ruining it or causing such peril that, you know, people burn the games in a bonfire or something. Like Metroid was Metroid two, which is what it's based on, was always kind of like the odd man out of the Metroid series. And Sans Returns, it does keep the kind of unusual structure of you're always just hunting down Metroids. Like, you just need to go find these Metroids in this giant maze, and that's it. That's the entirety of the game. But it's presented gameplay-wise in a slightly more action-y way. That's still very Metroid-y, but also action-y. Like, it's... If you look at, like, the maneuverability and nimbleness of Samus, like, she can now do 360-degree movement with her gun. She's always cool finishing moves. She... There's the Aeon abilities that beef her up even further and kind of bring in a little Metroid Prime stuff with scanning and that sort of thing. And... Basically, I took this game where in Metroid, it used to be stand as far away as possible from the enemy and shoot, and they made it like, no, 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 now it's about close combat. You really want to get up in the face of that guy, and they do all that while still keeping what made the series great in the first place, which is, you know, the exploration, the isolation, all that. So it's just, it's a minor change in the grand scheme of things, but it was enough of a change that it really just kind of popped out at me as being like this really cool thing, like... It worked really well. I liked the game a lot because of it, but it still had that deeper exploratory Metroid vibe going on. So, so that's that's why I like it, as well as the fact that you know it's the first new two D Metroid in what thirteen years. So, 
So those two reasons are why I think Sam's Returns is probably my 3DS game of the year. Which I'm very proud of myself. Not Yeah, you didn't get it yet. Not, huh? not, not, I'm not proud because I didn't get it. I'm proud that I was Your able willpower. to... Yeah, that my willpower was able to keep me from getting it. It's a it's a good game. I, I mean, mean, I will obviously get it eventually. I was like, Metroid yeah. is one of my favorite franchises, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to hear that it lived up to people's expectations. And in many cases, some, pe- some people them. kind of, re- I think, like, recoiled from the, the fact that it was more action. Like, some people are like, oh, it's not. It's too... I don't know. It felt perfect to me. So, so that, that's the thing about these games of years. Like, I feel like the way we're approaching this is not. Yeah, I mean, this I, is the best game. This is my favorite. I mean, I take a I lot mean? of like those metric games, like a face battle. Like yeah. I, I mean, even yeah, other, yeah, like other M. Like I still think that's a great game. I like it too. Yeah. Like, I, and that just um, that just made my opinion of uh, Sam's Returns go out the window for like half the people listening. Wise, I mean, <laughs> like yes, I do pretty much agree with everybody in that like the story didn't have to be the way it was. But, oh like, yeah. But the game itself, I feel like a the good number of people... Are, yeah, the gameplay was just really it, great. It combined both 2D Metroid and 3D Metroid yeah. in a very creative way. And it felt that... It felt like the natural progression of Metroid. So that I felt... It, it almost like... It got, had the action elements I'm elements yeah, kind of exactly, describing. Yeah, exactly. It, it's almost like yeah. the finishing moves from that game is almost what have kind of inspired like this. Yeah, it, it was, it's a nod to it, I think. And it, and it works well. Um, over on Switch... Other M is a good title for it. It's like the other yeah, M. Yeah, it's like the... Uh, yeah, that, one, that other M. We don't say its name here. Just that other Five M. bucks at Best Buy. Yeah, just for like New. five years in a row. <laughs> New, yeah. I know it, uh, it's a good. Honestly, if you if anyone listening has not tried Other M, it's worth checking it's out worth at this trying. point. It's worth just for the experience, just to say you've done it. Yeah, yeah, but but so yeah, so 3DS goes to Metroid for me. For Switch, really, my actually overall game of the year in general, not just Switch, is one that I suspect we may disagree on you and me. Um, in fact, I think most major websites. I'm surprised we ended up disagreeing. Yeah, I am too. But uh, most. Well, major... I mean, I'm not really disagreeing with you. I'm just surprised that. Yeah. Yeah. But mo- most major websites and the Game Awards disagree with me on this, or perhaps I should say I disagree with all of them because I seem to be odd man out. But either way, I say all this because my Switch game of the year is not Breath of the Wild as much as I loved it. It's actually Super Mario Odyssey. So so to be fair, both games are incredibly fun. They're, really, they're just amazing experiences in their own way. The fact that we have both of them on a single system eight months apart, nine, eight months apart, yeah, is insane like in any other year zelda would be my game of the year or mario would be my game well mario is my game of the year but you know what i mean like it's just them butting heads in the same year is kind of unusual but the thing is for me i just really like kind of this for lack of a better term curated feel of super mario odyssey like to preface this a bit i've always i know you know this I, some people listening may but i've always kind of preferred more linear experiences over open world ones so i'm coming into this with a bit of a bias and i mean i do really love how breath of the wild is just like this massive sandbox where Every outcome is unique while still being guarded by like the same set of principles that you learn to adapt and use as you go through the game. But I just kind of like how Odyssey is like off doing its own little smaller version of that where you know the payoffs will be there specifically because the developers put them there with the intention of you do these one or two specific things get the specific reward at this specific spot. Like I appreciate the developers not just making this world exist and plopping things in that world like they do like Korok Seeds or Shrines, but specifically being like, Oh, you're gonna try this one little thing in one little place, and you know what? It's gonna give you a reward. Like it's it's like it's less like they built a playground and more like the or less like they built a uh, sandbox, more of a playground, for lack of a better term. But that said, the idea of curation I think actually goes a lot beyond that. Um, like I think it just really sums up what Mario Odyssey is as it evolves as you play through it. Like it goes from kind of a rather straightforward, like honestly, rather straightforward 3D Mario game into something that's a lot grander. It's like familiar at first, you know, the world. Sure, it's a T Rex at the beginning, but like. Besides that, the first world's kind of like, okay, it kind of reminds me of Isle Delfino, but it's a desert, I get it, but then it just gets weirder and wackier, and like, the oddest example is, of course, 
you know, going from something like Tostanero, like the desert, into New Donk Sea. Like, can you imagine, granted there are worlds in between, but can you imagine if you went into Mario Odyssey blind, like if you didn't see any of the promotional stuff, if you didn't know Value 3, if you just went into Mario Odyssey and you're playing, and it's like, okay, there's a T-Rex, that's a little unusual. Oh, Tostanero's cool. Okay, yeah, Lost Kingdom, I kind of like the aesthetic. Uh, why are there humans here? Wait, this is New York. Wait, there's a moped. I can run away from a T-Rex on a moped right now. Why are there tanks shooting me? What is going on? Like, that's so out of left field from Mario. That's just like, it's really cool to me. And it, it's not just the linear, the like literal linear progression, but also like the way they curate each curveball. Like they intentionally were like, okay, here's a Mario thing. And then, uh, here's a not Mario thing. Like Cappy and the capture mechanic. Like, sure, capturing a bullet bill is neat. And in the first two, it's like, oh, yeah, you capture normal things. But then, like, you know, at some point, you're capturing paragliding lizards or rocks that literally just scoot forward or, like, manhole covers or that giant dinosaur. And it's just, like, it's such a unique riff on the power-up mechanic that Mario's always had where instead of you putting on a different hat, as was the case in a couple different Mario's, now you put your hat on things. And that actually feels different and cool and creates some weird little puzzle moments. So it's, it's cool. And... The same goes, I think, for the theming of each level. Like, they start Mario-y enough, but as I was kind of saying, but then, like, you know, you go to the Luncheon Kingdom, it's this weird low-res polygonal space, or you go to, like, the plasticky-looking Lost Kingdom, or, you know, later and again, there's other ones. It's just everything has a unique aesthetic where it's not just... It's not just, like, oh, here's a, the Lava World equivalent, or here's the this equivalent. They all are kind of their own independent art style and their own little different thing and it, it's i just really liked it for that it's like there's always left turns you expected to take and this is a franchise that already did some weird and wild stuff in galaxy 2 but yet somehow upped it even more so with odyssey so i don't know i think a lot of the feeling of this uh is i think it's again thanks to how it's structured uh it's like it's possibly you know the developers put every pixel on every moon and every spot and kind of presented as a pseudo sandbox and like i know zelda in the same way does that like obviously the korok seeds like i started said before and the shrines are very specifically placed in specific spots but it's like the the curation of the journey opposed to the destinations themselves like in zelda they kind of like all right you figure out the journey and in mario it's like well at least the main part of mario i know you have issues with the power moons later on but the main part of mario is like well here's the like ideal path to go down like it, it's they curate you into how you get there, not just what it is. So that's kind of my two cents. Oh, don't even get me started. I forgot something. Then the the fact that the nostalgia, the Mario hooks, the way it connects to other games, like the it's just really well done. It feels like a celebration of all things Mario. It's just really well done. I mean, my favorite game moment of the year, if not of multiple years, is by far the New Donk City Festival. It's not challenging by any means as a gameplay thing, but it's just the way it introduces Jump Up Superstar. You're Mario, you're running to like a classic DK stage situation. It's just so well done. And then like they lean on nostalgia throughout the game in other ways. I mean, you have the various costumes, you have references, you have throwbacks later in the game that I'm not going to say in case people don't know and I don't want to spoil it. You have um, the cool 2D... They kind of borrow this from a link between worlds with the whole like walking in the wall thing, but the 2D on the wall thing. But the fact that they have like classic Mario sides growing like perfectly embedded in a 3D Mario game... It, it's all really cool. And I know Breath of the Wild has all sorts of nods to past Zelda games too, but there's just... It's about Mario for me. It just clicked a lot more. So I'm... I, I don't know. Like, I'm very, very, very happy with Mario Aussie. I'm also very, very happy with Breath of the Wild, but I had to pick one, and I seem to lean more towards the Simpler game for thing, a more simple so. person. Oh, that's one way to put it. That's <laughs> one way to put it. But yeah, so Mario gets my vote for that reason. I didn't mean to just ramble, but like, I, I just love how... 
I guess it just has like this guiding hand throughout, and that doesn't hurt Zelda <laughs> for not having it at all. It just resonated more directly with me. That's all. But I really love how Mario's like a celebration all thing Mario and sort of pushed you through it and like, now you're going to see this, now you see that. Oh, you expected that? Nope, it's going to be this. And it's just like, it's it's great. So what's your pick? Because we disagree. So I'm guessing you're going with yeah, Breath of the Wild. Gu- um, guiding hand, it felt more like a, like a parent graspily, like, like firmly grasping a child like, and pulling them along. No, something. I get that. Because I know Zelda 2 has, like Breath of the Wild does have guiding hand. It's just more yeah. subtle. Well, as someone that prefers more linear things, I of course would gravitate well, towards yeah. the linear I mean, things. I mean, like don't get me wrong, like, I yeah. they're both excellent. Games. I, I I normally prefer more linear games, and I don't have much of any experience with sandbox games. I typically like get bored of them and don't really ever finish like open world games like mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption, pretty much any Rockstar game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of surprised that I actually ended up. I'm going with Breath of the Wild. Um, that I actually ended up liking Breath of the Wild as much <laughs> as I did. That's an afterthought. <laughs> um. Like, both Mario Odyssey and um, Breath of the Wild have... Their final bosses are disappointingly easy. Yeah, you, you 100% had um, Odyssey, right? Yeah. Since we last talked about it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And... Just so they know. I don't know, for me, like, Mario games... Well, yeah, for me, Mario games are more about the, the destination, not the journey. Because... <laughs> the polar opposite of me. Because the way... um Because I still 100% know, so I still see, like, everything the game has to offer. But for a lot of the... For every single Mario game beforehand, I guess they pretty much just trained me to think that way, I feel. Because as you're playing the game, they pretty much teach you all these mechanics and tell you, like, all right, cool, we're teaching you all this because there's going to be one level at the end that where you're going to have to apply all that and uh, it's going to yeah, push yeah. it to the limits. And then you learn all these things and you're thinking, like, oh, man, like, this game has so many mechanics being thrown at you. What is the final level going to look like? And the last level, like, barely touches on, like, half of them. And hmm. I don't know, like... I feel I feel like the that level because I after you hundred percent it I thought there was going to be like an even harder one because I'm all like this can't be that level like there has to be something harder because I never I think I maybe died like two or three times just like trying to figure it out before I just finally breathe through it mm-hmm. and typically other two D platform Mario other three D Mario games or even the two D ones they also do this final hard level like it just wasn't I guess I never I guess overall I just never got that difficulty that I usually get that from the Mario games yeah that I was craving so you're ultimately trying to play to get to that point and that point just never arrived for you so yeah like, like I mean there's other aspects of it that like grossly oversatisfied and right but that left a bad taste yeah but, but, to Zelda itself. but I mean but for me like the challenges were just few and far between because there were definitely some really hard parts in Mario Odyssey there were some stars that were moons that were very tricky but those are few and far between and in the end it just yeah. ended up going like yeah that was a really fun Mario game but it felt like like a best of album versus a standalone brand new album. I don't know. It, it was... No, I get that. That almost, that, that's kind of like the opposite the side of the coin of what I was saying about it felt like a, tri- a celebration of Mario. Like, you're basically like, yeah, it was like literally a collection of Mario things. Yeah, which is great. Cause I mean, yeah, for which... what it is, is great. But yeah. for me, like, Breath of the Wild, I guess just beats it because it got me to, I guess it got me to like a genre or to give a genre a chance that I normally wouldn't want. Like, mm-hmm. it just had a bigger impact on me overall than Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Like, Odyssey, I could probably, I think it's a better game overall, but this one I feel just had a much more profound impact because I just love the fact that you could play it the way you want. I yeah. love the fact that I was literally able to pretty much play in a way that disgusted Elvis because he loves <laughs> to. He still hasn't beaten the game because he has to collect everything. But you ran to the bosses, moment. basically. Yeah, like the, the mo- champions. The, 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 the moment I had a chance, beast. <laughs> yeah, the moment I was allowed to leave the plateau, I went straight for Ganon 
And I kept trying to fight Ganon for hours and hours, and I'm all like, all right, it's just not possible with the gear I have because it keeps breaking. All right, I'll try to explore a little bit, get something, and then I'm like, all right, maybe I do need to kill one Divine Beast. So I killed one Divine Beast. Turns out it was the hardest one to do without having beaten any other Divine Beast. Of course. So pretty much the challenge was just always there the whole time, and I feel like this game is at its best when you're starting out, when you're still like at your weakest, because then everything is a threat, and everything is a puzzle, like just a camp of... Bacoblins is just or moblins, I forget what they're called in this one. They change it like in everyone. And yeah, just a camp is a very like, alright, should I try to sneak by? Should I try to throw a bunch of explosives? Or should I just try to avoid it altogether? But then I'm not gonna get that weapon or whatever's yeah. in that chest. Everything was just very puzzly. And after I beat the game and then they eventually reached a DLC with that Master Quest mode, I started the game over and now it's even harder but this time I'm actually taking the time to try to collect everything like literally everything before uh-huh. I fight the final boss and it almost feels like a brand new game because since I missed out on a lot of temples and a lot of shrines now I'm like seeing some for the first time seeing a lot of enemies that don't appear that weren't there in that first run through or right. harder versions I don't know the game just kept surprising me I think that's something Breath of the Wild Ray is going for. It's, it's the literal video game it, it version feels, of Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah, it feels like a different game now, because even on this playthrough, like, just ignoring all the DLC stuff, if I'm just looking at what was in the package when you bought it day one. Yeah. Like, this time around, I'm actually bothering to cook. I did not cook. You didn't cook at all? Um, I think I cooked maybe once just to see, like, what it, the animations were like, but I didn't feel I needed it. Yeah. Especially because... I barely collected any hearts. I did not beat Ganon with the Master Sword. I got the Master Sword way after I beat the game. Huh. So I only had like maybe seven hearts when I... Six or seven hearts when I beat the game. So everything killed me in one hit. Right. Basically, there was no point in cooking because everything killed you in one hit. Right. And if it didn't, it left me with like a quarter of a heart. So I just like ate a bunch of apples or ate a bunch of nuts or whatever. But this time around, I'm like cooking. I'm trying to like gather resources. So this I'm... time you're playing how it's supposed to be play- <laughs> played. Well, well, that's actually well, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. Like, anyway, correct. The thing. There's yeah. no, there's no, there's right no right or wrong. Well, Mario most definitely has a right. Well, or wrong. this time I'm playing the way the game is telling me to play. The yeah. first time they're like, "Oh, I don't suggest you go to Ganon." I'm like, "Screw you! I'm going to Ganon." What a rebel! So <laughs> yeah, so I mean, well, yeah. Typically, the final boss is usually what will leave the biggest impact on me on a game, usually, or just that final level. Yeah, it's like the. I mean, it's just, it's no different than a movie. When you watch a movie, the ending has a pretty big impact on how you feel about it overall. Was the ending satisfying? Did it leave a bad taste in your mouth? That kind of like, oh, it like had this amazing buildup and then it just dropped the ball. Yeah. Like it could have been perfect, but it didn't. No, I get that. But this one, I feel like the journey was just so great that the final boss didn't really matter too much. Well, the Mario journey to you didn't add up. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, because that one, it's like, all right, because nothing was ever... Like, the core game, I started, like, those little challenge rooms that were actually really hard. Mm-hmm. The game overall wasn't very challenging. It was just... It was fun, and then there was just those moons that were just a pain or a slog to get. Because, I mean, it's literally no different than the core seeds. Like, in Mario, it's like, oh, I wonder if I could get up there. Then you get up there. Oh, there's a moon there. And same thing with Breath of the Wild. Oh, I wonder if I could climb that mountain. I'm going to climb all the way to the top. Oh, there's a Korok seed there. Yeah. Like, it's almost identical. But... I'll, I'll be honest. It was a hard choice this year. Like I've never. You generally do. I thought I was gonna do straight up Mario, but I don't know. I, I, yeah. Especially now that I've been playing Breath of the Wild again, like recently, yeah. like, it just kind of made me realize, like, wow. Like, well, like when, when we first covered Breath of the Wild back in March, when we did our whole episode about remember, that, I'm typically I not was, the Zelda person. I, yeah, yeah, I'm more of a Mario person in general too. But when we first did Breath of the Wild back in March, I was. I remember we like we recorded it. We you know I was playing it all that, and I'm just sitting there like. 
okay, this is going to be tough at the end of the year because I, I assumed Breath of the Wild is going to be the shoe, and I'm like, wait, but there's also so many, there's also Mario this yeah. year. Like, what's going to happen here? And it, I actually had to sit down and kind of, I made a little like pro and con list of yeah. the two games before we recorded this, like a couple days ago. And I just kind of like breaking down, okay, what do I find to be the strengths of each? Was how I came up with this whole curated theme that I was talking about. Cause it was just like, they're very good games. Like Nintendo's not put out this good of games back. This is the hardest game of the year choice I've ever had to make for the show in well, the six years we've been doing it. I hit your cabinet because yeah. it's such a hard choice. Um, but yeah. I think overall, just the complete freedom of choice. Because Mario, like, you have everything you need from the beginning. Like, yeah. everything is there for you. You just have to figure out how to get there. But for Zelda, it's like, oh, sometimes you don't have everything you need to get somewhere, but you still try to go there. And sometimes you can't, but you have to figure out yeah. a way. Sometimes things that the developer didn't even plan to or just... Oh, work. yeah. That, that's something very really cool is all the um, yeah. abilities and how people are leveraging them in weird ways. Or even stuff with the motorcycle. I've seen people Like, now, that. like... I mean, I could definitely see why it kept winning, but now it just makes me more curious yeah. to hear to play um, Horizon because I do have access to a PS4, and I kept hearing about Horizon's how Horizon to, yeah. was compared to Zelda a lot. And then yeah. when Zelda came out, it's like, what's Verizon? Verizon, Horizon, Verizon is a cell phone provider. Yeah, yeah. Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's interesting because um, speaking of Zelda, it's done. DLC's done. It's done. E.G. Anuma uh, said in an interview in Japan recently that they are working on the new Zelda and the DLC and everything for Breath of the Wild is officially done. So what you are now playing is the final form complete package yeah. of Breath of the Wild. So you know we have to play on the hardest difficulty. So yeah. feels like and now you know it is really the hardest. Yeah. There isn't harder coming down the pipe. So mm-hmm. I wonder if the next Breath of the Wild is going to be a Majora Mask Majora's Mask situation where it's the same engine just done and doing something I mean, it different. has to be. They're not going to build the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. Was probably as ambitious as it is. Yeah. I'm guessing it's just going to be less shrines and more big temples or something. That that makes sense. But that's way down the line. That is definitely not something that's happening in 2018 or obviously 2017. So so those are our game picks for, uh, I guess, Game of the Year 2017. That's our episode for 2017. That's the end of 2017. But before we go, we have a giveaway. We have to give away that Super Nintendo Classic. So here's how it's going to work, everyone. If you want to win a SNES Classic Edition Head over to Ramtown.com, go to episode 166's blog post, that's this very episode, called uh, Switching Years, just as a reminder, and in the comment section at the bottom, just tell us your favorite Nintendo thing of 2017, a moment, a game, an event, a bowl of Super Mario cereal, if you can find it. Whatever it is that you most enjoyed that has to do with Nintendo in 2017, we want to hear it, we're going to read them all, we're going to share some on the next episode, and one person will be chosen as the winner of a Super Nintendo Classic on us. So... To make sure you don't miss the announcement of you being the winner, tune into our next episode, which is going up a little later than usual because Angel is venturing off to Japan again and presumably will have tales to tell when he gets back. But he comes back what's normally our podcast weekend. So you may have a chance to check out that Mario Kart VR. Who you knows? should. You should. It'd be it'd be really cool to get impressions of, actually. Yeah, that's some VR zone and I... It's in Tokyo? It's in the... Yeah, it's in, it it's in, no, it's in Tokyo. It's in the Bandai VR zone. Oh yeah, and you can't just play the Mario one. You have to buy like a package of yeah. VR it's it's just like a theme park where they walk you through each one. Basically. Yeah, so it's like oh, it's like this. Okay. It's kind of like or no, it's not like Sega's. Sega's uh, amusement zone. Joypolis is Joypolis lets you pick one by one. Yeah, yeah. you just buy you, a pack. You, are you gonna go Joypolis and do the Ace Attorney? Yeah, uh, like real world oh, yeah, experience. Definitely talk about it here. I'm t- I, dude. I I wanted to do it when I was there, but it was closed that day for some reason. Oh. I don't know why. Anyway, yeah, so we'll be back a little later. Our next episode will actually be on January 8th instead of the usual 7th. So I don't know what you guys are going to do for that one day, but I think you'll pull through. Uh, But to make sure you don't miss it or the winter announcement or any of that um, or the news and impressions or whatever else we discuss, ukulele hopefully, 
Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Google Play Music, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, on... I'm running out of... There's another one. Everything? Everything. We're on everything. You can even ask Alexa to play the Roundtown Podcast. Or and Google guess what? Home. And guess what? She she will. Yeah, you could... Do you have your Google Home stuff? We could do it right now. No, we're not going to do it now. But yeah, so subscribe to us there. Hey, Google. Play the Random Nintendo Podcast. This is going to get real Inception-y right here. Okay, Jason Reckman and Jose Angel... Solis. Why is our name Random attached to it? I'll pick know. up where you left off. Left off? Oh, I was testing it earlier. So, silence, which is maybe what everyone has now done and hit stop on this recording. Oh, this is really inceptionate. Stop. Google, stop. Okay, Google, stop. There we go. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we'll have our next episode coming up, and we won't play ourselves, don't worry. But yeah, January 8th, uh, follow us on Twitter at Roundtime, make sure you don't miss it. And with that... Happy holidays, happy new year, see you in 2018, and go enter to win a Super Nintendo Classic. You will not regret it.